Hi, this is Michael Morisi, a uh, writer of uh, books such as Barbaric Plot and Waste of Space, and you're listening to Top 5 Podcasts. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master of disaster, Josh45. What is shaking? And CBS. Also, what is shaking? I don't, you know, had to come up with a catchphrase for that, right? No? Okay. See, today we're doing episode number 168. And books we're going to be going over uh, is Infinite Frontier number one uh, from DC Comics, Gamma Flight number one from Marvel Comics, Justice League Infinity number one from DC Comics, and we'll wrap it up with Fight Girls, number one, from uh, AWA. But before that, we'll, do we have a little bit of news, Josh? So what's in the news? What's in the news? So Black Panther Wakanda Forever started shooting. Well, that's cool. Okay. Um, Ron Perlman is going to be the voice of Optimus Primal in the Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I think that's going to be a live-action film not animated so I'm not sure what the deal with that is right I haven't heard much about it at all um, other movie stuff I haven't heard much about at all so they're doing a Dungeons and Dragons movie over at Paramount uh, it's supposed to come out supposedly 2023 uh, but I guess there have been some set pictures show up of uh, uh, Michelle Rodriguez in her costume and some pictures of Hugh Grant in his costume so I mean that thing's in the process of being filmed huh. So that's so long away I mean, yeah, time-wise, it's a minute. I don't know, when it comes to post or post-COVID world, who knows what that really means. But, I mean, the pictures look cool. The costumes are neat. So, I mean, that's cool. Supposedly, Hugh Jackman's Instagram has stoked multiple rumors over his return as Wolverine in the MCU. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what that means, but... Yeah, it, I don't know. It might just be a tease. But, yeah, I read something about that, some photos he put up or something. Interesting. I mean, okay. Just dye the dude's hair and put him in the costume. Give him the actual spandex costume and we don't have to worry about how ripped he is. And dye his hair. Yeah, exactly. What do you mean dye his hair, though? Why? Well, dye his hair black. I mean, he's getting a little bit of gray in there. No. Oh, yeah. Logan's old and he has gray in his hair, anyway. I mean, depending on what time frame you pick for him. Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, he's been alive for freaking ever anyway, so whatever. Right. It just depends on what time frame you're aiming for. But I think, I don't know, yeah, it'd be interesting to see him do some more stuff with that. I mean, if he doesn't, he's going to lose the title of most movies with superhero character. Uh, uh, what do you mean? Well, as far as, like, appearances in, in franchises, he's currently got the record. But there's a whole bunch of the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe people creeping up on him. And with all these cameos, if you count cameos, then... Well, wouldn't, like, in the same franchise? Like, so X-Men counts as a franchise? Uh, no, like, in the same... I when I say film universe, so like Well Tony Stark would beat him then. For Iron Man? Yeah. I guess I'd have to look at the numbers to see. Last time I read anything about it it was Hugh. Well I know that I know that X Men has like got just got beat out by Fast and Furious as like the most Oh for money. Uh, money, yeah. but like the franchise like appearances. So we had the first three X Men that were terrible. Sure. With Ian McKellen and Yeah. yeah. And then you have the two um yeah, future Past and... Uh, New Class. Uh, first Class, yeah. yeah. First Class, Future Past, 
Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Um, Phoenix. Phoenix. And so, then if you count the Wolverine movies. So then there's three, four, no, it's three Wolverine movies. Wolverine, um, Origin, and then Logan. Yeah, so that's ten. So then, like, Iron Man has three Iron Man. Right. He was in, he appear, appeared in the Hulk movie at the end. Oh, that's true. He was in both of, like, all three Avengers movies, four Avengers movies. Plus he was in Civil War. Plus he was in Spider-Man, Far, like, both Spider-Man movies, wasn't he? No, just the first one. He was dead in the second one. So that's ten. What so does that mean it's high? Was he not in any of the Hulk movies? Just that one cameo, but he wasn't in the other ones. Like Hulk, he wasn't in the Thor movies either. Or Thor movies, I mean? Mm-mm. He's mentioned namesake-wise, but he's not actually in them. Uh, he's not in Captain Marvel, because the appearances at the end, he's already gone missing, so he's not in that either. Right. Whereas uh, Romanoff and Cap Steve and Thor are, he wasn't, because he was already missing in space. Right. Oh, Guardians. He's not in the Guardians, He's though. not in either Guardians? And he's not in either Ant-Man movie, either. Huh. Yeah, so it's tied, I guess. I'd say it's pretty close to tied. Yeah. 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 There you go. More you know. What about, well, what about Nick Fury, though? Well, Nick Fury, oh, you know what? Fury beats him out by far, sorry. Gosh, man, that's a good point. I didn't consider Nick Fury, because Fury's in... All of them. But he's not... He's in all of them. No, he's not. Yeah. He's not in the... He's not in Dark World. He doesn't make an appearance at the end of Dark World? Not the, no, but he has appearances in Agents of the Shield, so if you bridge the TV series, he has appearance in the very last episode of the first season. I just have to go back and double-check Dark World. Well, I think he's got more, far more than 10, though, because he was in Captain Marvel. Yeah, he was. And he's at the end of Endgame, and he's uh, at the end of uh, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Was he in Civil War, though? He wasn't in Civil War. Mm, yeah, he was. Oh, no, he was. Yeah, yeah, he's a major part at the end. He's a major part of the whole film. Hmm. Hang on. I'm thinking Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is in as well. Well, he's in Winter Soldier. I don't think he's in Infinity or in um, Civil War. I don't think he is, because he's off the grid already. He's supposed to be dead. Because they leave him dead at the end of the other movie. I don't think he's in Civil War. I know, we'd have to look. That's a good uh, question. Know, I have to go back and watch Civil War again. I guess my brain automatically defaults to Winter Soldier. Well, we can't, I mean... But as a thing, I would say he probably oh, has Oh, but wait a minute. Hmm. Hugh is also in Deadpool 2. Technically. Well, I mean, it's his face. It's but, not... Well, when they go back, he goes back in yeah. time to kill himself. So I guess, I mean, you can't count that, right? I guess. So that's 11 appearances. Well, I mean, these guys, if you count that, then you might as well count the Deadpool 1 when he's got Ryan, when he's got the face stable on his face. No, because he's actually in it. It's like that scene from, yeah, from the Wolverine film. Right. Man. Yeah, stack wise, it's, it's close in there. I, I would still say Fury probably has it. I would think Fury has it. I mean, I'm sure that we're going to get chastised for not knowing this, knowing this, but like. I'm pretty close, I think. Yeah. I guess I never I feel like we're missing those Tonys. I I feel like we're missing a Robert Downey one as well somewhere. I don't think so. I feel like we're missing something in there. Other than the cameos in Far From Home, because he's not in, he's not in the second movie. I mean, he's already dead by then. Right. I mean, we might be wrong. I guess if we are, leave a comment. I don't, you know. We'd have to sit and go count, but... As a thing, the only one I definitively know is Romanoff, and that's only because she's coming on this week, so... That one I know for sure. That what? How many movies she's in as Romanoff. Right. Um, and then Evans is in 10. Count, unless you count the Thor appearance where he's playing Loki. Yeah, because in, uh, in the Dark World, 
there's a point where Loki transforms into Captain America while he's chastising Thor as they walk through um, as they walk through uh, Asgard. And originally, it's filmed with Tom Hiddleston dressed in a Captain America costume. At some point, Evan saw that and was like, "Oh, I can do that. I can play Loki." And so they went through and they refilmed it with Chris being Loki dressed as Captain America. Gotcha. So like that cameo, he's not playing Cap, but he's Loki as Cap. So, I mean, it kind of cheats, I guess. Anyway, that's as far as I know about that, because I didn't really look into Nick Fury, and my brain doesn't remember all the movies right this second, so... I mean, you might be able to find one on Google or something, so... I'm sure there's a list somewhere. Anyhow, uh, moving on with the news... Well, uh, so, I mean, does it count... Does it have to be the same character? I mean... I would say yes, considering what we're talking about. Because Evans wins, then, if it's not the same well, character. No, it's definitely got to be the same character, because Evans has a whole bunch of... He, he's from Johnny Storm in two movies, and he's in The Losers, and Snowpiercer, so, like, the dude's got way more... And Casey Jones. ...superhero movies. Casey Jones. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, that wasn't him. That was Stephen Mill. And 2007 one. No, Stephen Mill. It says, it says he was... A- he was Casey was he Jones. Voice in the animated series? Casey Jones in Toonies Mutant Ninja Turtles 2007. What it says right Is here. it an animated cartoon series? Maybe it was the the one where Le- it's like the continuation where Leonardo like goes rogue. Maybe. If it wasn't that one of the animated, then okay. I don't remember the cast of the voice for the animated ones. But the live action ones, he hasn't done live action. But as far as a thing, I mean, that would still technically be one for his r- roster. So. Right. But yeah, he's got a lot of different movies and a lot of different characters when it comes to like superhero stuff. Uh, you can count Push too, because Push actually had a comic book also. So oh, yeah. that's a reach. I mean, it was a thing. So there's a comic book for everything. So that doesn't really count. I mean, that's not really true. It's not really a superhero. He had superpowers. He'll move things with his mind. Mm. That's superpower. Yeah. That's superpower. Push yeah. is a superpower and superpower. But that's, it is. Yeah, we can't. You can't just make a comic book about anything and then to be like, yeah, he's been in this comic book movie because we made a comic book after the fact. Like, if it was um, a comic book first, yeah, okay, and then it becomes a saying. movie. I see where your argument lies. Yeah. Okay. I see where your argument lies. Okay. Either way, other news stuff. Uh, Jeremy Hahn is running a Kickstarter for his uh, horror anthology that's called uh, Hauntology. So, like, his name played with thology at the end of it. Uh, it's going to be a hardcover, 144 pages. Uh, it's supposed to feature 23 stories, so like a batch of short stories. The art looks really cool. Uh, Jeremy's done stuff for DC, Marvel, uh, Image. Uh, I think the last project I saw him on was the Beauty series that came out from Image. Uh, but he did Arkham Reborn for DC. The dude's awesome. Like He's great. Um, so, I mean, if you dig his art or just want to check something out that's cool, go look up uh, Hauntology. H-A-U-N Hanthology on uh, Kickstarter. Dude's awesome. Um, I think that's really cool. Uh, as far as like other stuff, I mean, they made the announcement Book of Boba Fett finished principal filming in June, so that's awesome. Release date, we, they were, we already knew it was coming out in December, but it's cool that they finished filming, so that's neat. As far as steps in the right direction. There is going to be a Simpsons 2 movie. Like the Simpsons too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And the producer is demanding that it not be a stream only release, like which is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, this isn't a comic book thing, but there's a Guys and Dolls remake in the in the work. 
Oh, all right. And the guy that um, directed Dreamgirls is going to be directing it. All right. The guy's in those, you know, got Sinatra. Those sure, yeah, yeah. It's a classic. And Karen Gillan has read Guardians of the Galaxy 3 script, and she says it, it is absolutely incredible. Hmm. That's cool. I do, I do dig that idea. I mean, as far as the thing, once we get past Suicide Squad, which also looks just awesome... Because like the second commercial or the third commercial, whatever the last one was, yeah, it looks awesome. I mean, the first one had awesome commercials too. It I did. Mean, I That's I true. have high hopes for it because I had high hopes for the first one, and the first one ended up being terrible. Yeah. I mean, James Gunn being the helm of it, like I'm yeah. hoping it'll be way better. Right. You know, but like honestly, we'll just have to see. Like DC has a tendency to like just handicap whoever's doing anything cool for them. So That's true. I mean, we'll just have to see how it goes. Right. Um, well, it's some, like some sort of sad news, depending on what you know or not. You may already know this, but, uh, uh, Richard Donner, um, has passed away. The legendary Richard Donner, um, age 91. Uh, so, I mean, if you don't know that name, then I, I'm, you're, you're either too young or you missed out. Cause I mean, that's the guy who gave us so many awesome 80s movies and so many awesome comic book movies. I mean, the dude, I'm, he's, he's the director that taught us that Goonies never say die. That a man can fly, that you're never really too old for this stuff. <laughs> uh, as far as franchises, like the guy made so many things that are like amazing. Your Lethal Weapons, I mean, Superman, Goonies. The dude is was freaking amazing. Scrooged, I mean, he as a thing, he put so many awesome movies together that are amazing. I mean, he taught you, taught everyone that you just need to put a little love in your heart. And that's the whole, whole shebang about it. Dude was awesome. Did so many things and touched so many, like, lives in the world. I mean, if nothing else, at, at Christmas time, watch Scrooged. I mean, the dude was awesome. So, that is unfortunate. Um, but you know, rest in peace, man. Like, well, he was like in his 90s. He was. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He had a long life and a lot of those stuff and stuff, but. I mean, it's always sad to lose a, a great like that, but like as time goes on, we're going to start losing a lot more of them. Oh, yeah. Because people are. Time's moving faster. It seems like. It's something, like, man. Every day, it seems like time's moving faster. It's but, uh, definitely something. But uh, if you want like a PG 13 slash R rated, um, little bit deep dive on who Richard Donner is, top five, com- or, uh, Never Been Done podcast does an episode on him. I think it's like episode like 80s. Somewhere in there, yeah. They're all seven, named. So. 70s or 80s, but yeah, just look for his name, Richard Donner. Yeah. Dude is awesome. So, anyway, that's all I got for news. I'm moving some books. Moving some books. All right. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. All right, so we'll uh, open up with Infinite Frontier number one. Um, DC Comics. This is written by Joshua Williamson, and the art is by Zermanico. And this uh, series is a miniseries. It's a six-part miniseries. Um, there was an Infinite Frontier Zero, but it, it's not necessarily connected with the main story here, as far as things. Uh, so the way this book first opens up, we uh, join basically the exploding of fire behind a little rocket, and uh, it says, Worlds Will Live, and we see this rocket plummet to Earth and crash into the ground. And uh, a, a couple finds the rocket, and it opens up, and inside this shuttle, we have Batman. Uh, but the two folks that have found him is an African-American couple out in the country farm. And uh, the woman says, that's not our Batman. He must be from someplace else. Which is a pretty uh, interesting opening. 
That's Mom and Pa Kent. It is. Shortly afterwards, we learn we're in Earth-23, and that this is indeed Mom and Pa Kent from Earth-23, um, which is uh, where President Superman is from. Uh, so from there, we cut to the giant splatter page, just as Infinite Frontier, and we move from there into uh, what appears to be like a giant clock. I mean, the clock best is the way I can describe it. It's like a... It's not inner monologue. It's like a bunch of word bubbles that are basically people tweeting and talking to each other, uh, social network style. So, like, think like Twitter or Facebook or something. And uh, it's all about how all of a sudden there's multiple Earths, and um, a major thing has happened prior to this book happening, where a lot of the people in a lot of the worlds have become aware that they live in a omniverse, so bigger than a multiverse. Um, and whereas before the few people that knew that was, you know, limited to most of our superhero types. Um, and maybe some supervillain types. But as it is now, there's a whole faction of people um, that are aware of the situation and the fact there's multiple Earths. So that's kind of what we got going on here in these boxes of dialogue that try to set, point that out to you and explain that to you, sort of. And we see out in space a, a Justice Tower, and we join from there, we move into town where we have... Uh, a fellow with a uh, purple cape holding this crazy blue orb above his head, and it's Cronus Master of Time. And he's like, time will be mine to control! And he's, you know, basically getting ready to try to take over everything. And uh, we pull back to all of a sudden have a giant green freight, green freight train smash into him. And Mr. Trivix there, and he grabs a little orb and imprisons it, imprisons it inside of a force field. And uh, we find Lex Luthor, who's uh, piling a jet trying to help the situation, which is sort of weird. Um, and uh, along with them, we have Vandal Savage. Oh, it's probably Lex Luthor from um, oh, yeah. Universe with the uh, Justice... Justice Society. Syndicate. No, the oh, Injustice... The, injustice, injustice Society. The Crime Syndicate? Crime Syndicate. Crime Syndicate. Yeah. Um, anyway, so like the group of them, it's not bad Lex, though. And like we see Alan Scott, who's made the giant freight train... And uh, we're joined by Hot Girl, and uh, Alan's talking. He's like, "Oh, I've got to meet my kids. I need to be someplace." And Hot Girl's like, "Oh, we got this under control. Tell Jaden, Jaden Obsidian, hi." And off Alan flies. So after freight training, Kronos, he leaves the others to take care of it. And it is an interesting scene because Vandal Savage, generally speaking, is a bad guy too. So like things are askew where we're at. But he's a time guy. So. He is. Oh yeah. So uh, as far as the thing, Alan Scott flies this guy. Eventually, he meets up with Obsidian and. Obsidian chastises him for being late, and uh, he's like, well, we all have things to do too, Dad, and when you see a flash of, his, of Obsidian fighting basically Mr. Freeze, and the two of them are talking to each other while they're flying through the sky, and uh, talking about how it's been so crazy now with the world being the way it is, and in the dialogue, there's a whole, they go over kind of a lot of stuff, actually, and uh, Obsidian laments, how, oh, everything's just so crazy now with all these alternate worlds, and Alan Scott's like, oh, and me coming out? He's like, oh, Dad, whatever, that's old news. Uh, and they ask you know, what he knows about where his sister is, and they're like, oh, we're going to meet her at the Justice Society headquarters. And uh, we move from there to show like a giant splattering of the battle of Wonder Woman and the Bat Who Laughs after he'd been turned into a demigod. And it's replaying stuff between them while they're talking about everything changing, everything moving. And this is where we learn about the omniverse and the multiverse stuff. So it's not till this point that we really learn that, uh, unless you knew it already. Uh, anyway, so we rejoin Obsidian and Alan as they get right across the street um, to the Justice Society headquarters, and they transform out of their uniforms, and um, they both are 
wondering why Jade hasn't got hold of him yet and why she's not responding and where's Jade at. And about that time, we see a giant green explosion rip out the front of the Justice Society building. And uh, both of them transform back in the uniform, and they go running towards the fire, calling for Jenny, for Jade, uh, because they were supposed to meet her there, and in theory, that's where she should be. Um, from there, uh, we actually, while it's going on, too, there's another little piece. Um, Obsidian, the whole time, is like, where is she? I can't feel my connection to her. What, where is she? What's going on? So, like, their connection as brother-sister, very little empathy is what it is. Um, anyway, from there we cut to uh, Paris, France. And uh, we join a uh, a lady eating cake who tells the person she's sitting with that she's on vacation. And uh, as we pull back to see who it is, well, we find that it's Mr. Bones, uh, who, I mean, he's basically a walking, living skeleton. He's an old-school character from uh, the... Um, Infinity Inc. that happened back in, oh gosh, I think it's, it's in the late 70s. Um, originally Mr. Bones, not that you need this piece, but it's all trivia stuff, I guess. Uh, originally co-created by Tom McFarlane, and like his original drawings is basically spawned with a skull on his head. Is basically what he looks like. Um, anyway, in this particular setting, he's wearing a business suit, because he's there for business, currently, uh, in charge of, a one of the, uh, groups that is supposed to be monitoring the, uh, multiverse. What we wind up learning is that Mr. Bones is here to recruit, um, this blonde-haired lady, who is, uh, Cameron Chase. That's who the, that's who she is. They don't really say the name in the book, but at some, but they do call her Chase at one point. Uh, but as they're talking, she's like, how'd you find me, Director Bones? And of course he talks to her about how, you know, he's gotten his ways or whatever. And uh, as the two of them are talking, there's some cool dialogue in here where he's, they talk about the multiverse and the omniverse and how now it's mainstream. And he says, yeah, it's really weird because like we're sitting here at this cafe and no one seems to care about my skull face. And she's like, yeah, no one cares. So it's, uh, he's like, do you remember the world wasn't, wasn't so weird? And she's like, yeah, says the guy was sitting across me with a skull for a face. He's like, she's, she's like, you're old news. He's like, exactly. And that's what the problem is. Uh, anyway, as they're talking, he informs her that the DEO has been reinstated, and uh, he's looking to bring her back to help deal with these problems. And she's like, you do remember I hate you, right? Anyway, as the conversation goes on a little more, he basically tries to convince her and then tells her... Which the DEO is the Department of Extra Normal Operations. Right. Which is their job to monitor and neutralize metahuman threats to national security. Right. So... So just like the DOD in the Supergirl TV show, except in the comic books, it's slightly different. Which kind of, this she popped up in, originally in 1998 in Batman number 550. Oh. That's when she was introduced. So. Nice. Anyway, so they, if they finish the conversation. He tells her, you do know what happens to people turn, to turn me down, Chase. He's like, enjoy your dessert. And uh, she looks at her phone. She sees something on her phone. She's like, oh, I just lost my appetite. And that's where we exit that scenario. And we move from there to uh, a blacked-out panel that we slowly start seeing the visual come through. And in the panel, we see uh, Captain Carrot and uh, a version of Mary Marvel and a version of female Aquaman, Aquagirl. And uh, we find out that uh, the person's waking up, because they're, as they're talking, Captain Carrot's like, oh, he's waking up finally, he's waking up. Hey, it's good to see you. Can I offer you some delicious carrot juice? And, of course, Captain Carrot, he's basically a Superman that is a rabbit, basically. And he's drawn so he's drawn so good that he looks just absolutely crazy. And we find out that the person that's waking up, of course, is Batman. 
And, uh, of course, he first takes to just kicking the crap out of everybody, takes out the whole group of them, and he goes running into the next room. He's like, hang on, where am I? What is all this? And we see this giant red room with a bunch of pillars. Basically, we're inside the space station. And from there, we are joined by President Superman. Uh, and he tells them that they, that he's in the um, Hall of Heroes, and he introduces them as the Justice the Justice Incarnate. And that's where we get an introduction of everybody. Like, Captain Carrot says he's from Earth-26, and Earth-11 is where she's called Aquawoman, and he's just a female Aquaman. Uh, then Mary Marvel's from Earth-5, and uh, Machine Head is from Earth-8, which is the robot-looking Iron Man character. And uh, he's like, um, okay, um, who are you supposed to be? And then, of course, President Superman introduced himself. He says he's Calvin Ellis, and uh, but most people call him President Superman. He's like, well, that's a job upgrade from the Superman where I come from. He's like, well, I assume that where you got here, you were escaping where you came from. Um, you crashed near the fa- my farm on Earth-23. And uh, he tells him, you know what, if we're going to get any answers, this this is uh, Thomas talking now. He says, uh, if we're going to get any answers, we need to find the Flash. And, of course, Cal's like, well, which, or Calvin, is like, which Flash are you talking about? He's like, Barry Allen. And he pauses for a second. It's really funny because he he's asking, like, universe-wise. And he's like, yeah, which one? From there, we cut to Barry Allen, who has been running through all the different universes, all the different Earths, collecting data, and going as fast as he possibly can because he's found one other Earth that they don't know anything about and isn't numbered. And he's trying to figure out how how he can get there. And as he's... As he's doing this, he's leaving messages that are supposed to be sent back to the Justice League Incarnate, or the Justice Incarnate. I don't know, pit stops everywhere shortly and then sending back information. So we see a flash of Earth-13, a flash of Earth-9, a flash of Earth-6, a flash of Earth-2, Earth-22, Earth-30, which is uh, the Red Sun Earth I like the best, Uh, Earth-42, which is where everybody's kids, chibi kids, and then Earth-51, and like, which is the commandy world. And like he's like, oh, I think I finally figured out a way I can get to this other world. Like I'm, I'm gonna go. And as he spits out on the Earth Omega, he sees that it's basically a wasteland with a bunch of different like what look to be frozen husks of bodies and just smashed buildings. It's a whole like wasteland. The ground's all cracked open. And he's like, oh, this looks like a this looks like a crime scene, but it seems really familiar to me. Why is this so familiar? And from there, he finds a batch of bodies. And these bodies are of the quintessence. So the quintessence are like the uh, characters that live outside reality. And, um, like one of them is the Spectre, one of them is the Phantom Stranger. Uh, we have, uh, one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's like, we see their bodies. Guardians, are, Guardians of the, not, not Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Green Lantern Guardians. Are oh, they just called the Guardians? Yeah, just the Guardians. Yeah, just the Guardians. Sorry, wrong universe. Good catch. The Guardian, he's one of the Guardians from Oa, so a Green Lantern, a little blue guy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, anyway, we see that they're all their eyes are like leaking power out of them, and their hands and their heads are just covered in this like white energy kind of flame. And Barry's like, as he's studying the crime scene, he's like, oh, this happened. This isn't, this is like a week ago. Like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden we hear a voice from off camera, and uh, we get a flash of. Barry, but the art is drawn very, I don't know, almost 80s-esque. 
And then we get, and even his dialogue is kind of 80s because he's like. The first one seems like 1950s, 60s ish. Is that what you think the first one is? This one, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Then this one's 80s esque. The 90s and 2000s, maybe? Yeah. Like Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, and Modern Age, I think is kind of the way that it goes. Well, and even his dialogue is different, too, because, like, mm-hmm. in that panel where it's the 60s. Because there's, there's four panels. Yeah. He's like, well, by golly, we're getting to the bottom of this. And, uh,. The voice off the counter doesn't, or off the screen, doesn't really change at all. But we see all the different versions of him drawn different styles, and the way he talks is different in the bubbles, too. And then uh, that basically winds up sort of messing with his head, and he winds up crumbling to his knees. And he's like, the voice we've been talking to, or that he's been talking to, is like, ah, it's been a while since you and me were at a crisis together. I can't believe you never came looking for me. That makes me feel real bad. And we get a reveal to find out that it's the Psycho Pirate. But this Psycho Pirate's colors are not the same as the regular Psycho Pirate colors. It's not the red and yellow, fruity clown colors he normally wears. This Psycho Pirate's colors are very black and white, save for his mask, which of course is, you know, the thing he uses to hypnotize you, which is still golden. And he basically is telling Barry how he's disappointed that he never tried to find him. And he, he feels like, now this time around with this crisis, it's going to be nice that the two of them are on the same side. And Barry's basically just been crumbled. And he's like laying down there trying to regain himself. And he's like, Psycho Pirate? With a question mark. And then we see what appears to be a voice off camera. That happens between a batch of lightning shocks. And uh, it's basically... From what lines are in there, it looks like a bat symbol, sort of. And I have to assume, I'm guessing, because it doesn't actually reveal this, I'm thinking it must be the bat who laughs. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. I could be wrong, but I assume that's what we're dealing with. And he's like, you may have, you, you may have, you may toy with the Flash after you've promoted and f- fulfilled your, your promise, Psycho Pirate. Remember your role in this story. And he, then the Psycho Pirate responds with, oh yeah, I, you've heard of the boss, you heard the boss, Speedster, so whatever this voice is, the Flash should have heard too. And he tells him, it's going to be real nice when we're working on the same side. And then we cut from there to some to, to uh, another Earth. And uh, the last thing he tells Barry is he's gonna, that you're going to help me find someone. And uh, that leads on to the next page, where we join a waitress in a diner pouring a cup of coffee. And we join a booth where there's a, a family talking about how the daughter remembers the multiverse being crazy, and the parents don't believe her. They think she's gone nuts. And she talks about how the sky was red and there was a crazy evil Batman and she's trying to convince her parents that this is all real and the parents both don't remember it. And she's like, how can you guys not remember? And then a guy in the booth right behind her gets their attention and he says, I remember. I know what you're talking about. I remember the red sky. And so the two of them kind of bond for a second talking about how they remember this other reality happening. Because again, not everyone remembers the multiverse or is aware of it. Uh, from there, we see that there's another guy sitting at the bar, stirring a cup of coffee, and uh, we learn pretty quickly that it's Roy Harper. And like this whole conversation goes on for a while between the girl and the guy in the in the booth behind him, trying to convince the parents. And partway through the conversation, it looks like everybody's starting to get along. And then we have this other dude join the conversation from across the room with a beard and button-down tie and shirt, and he is super pissed. And he cannot believe that they believe this is real. It's all hoax. It's all fake. You people are so stupid for believing in any of this. And he's, like, going at him, like, aggro-style. And uh, 
as that's happening, like him trying to oh, gods and demons, he's just he's just berating the girl for believing any of it, and Roy just starts getting get in the middle and starts to calm the guy down, and he he tells him, oh, you just just calm down, Pothella, go and eat your sandwich. I mean, believe whatever you want to believe. Everything should chill out. And the dude gets in Roy's face, and he's like, the multiverse is not real. And as he yells at him, about that time we have a giant explosion from outside. And uh, the explosion like destroys one half of the restaurant. And in walk a batch of uh, crazy tactical unit people wearing crazy masks, carrying guns, a couple no-namers, and then we have one in the middle, which is a character named Extract. And Extract informs us that she's there for Arsenal, or whatever he's calling himself now, Speedy, Red Arrow, because he's not supposed to be alive, and he's not supposed to be on this Earth. And we, we've we learned from other sources that Extract is actually like a, a bounty hunter for people that don't belong on Earth Zero. And uh, her plan is to capture Roy and then put him in a, a place he doesn't want to be, so probably prison. Um, but of course Roy is uh, the type that doesn't go quietly, and he grabs a bar stool and he swings at her and she blasts it to oblivion. And he throws a fork at her and winds up taking out, or he throws, well, he throws a couple kitchen utensils, like a fork and a couple knives. He takes out the two no-names with no problem at all. And then uh, the girl's like, see, come on, everybody, we gotta get out of here. This is, And then the, the dude who was yelling at Roy earlier is like, it's, it's all real? I can't believe it's all real. And about that time, Extract shoots at that dude. And so, of course, Roy jumps in the way to save him getting himself shot at the same time, and now Roy's on the ground with a wound to his arm and Extract standing above him with her gun, and she's about to be done with him. And uh, from there, we cut to the next page, which we see the outside of this uh, truck stop, with a giant fist smashing through the roof, all colored in black, and we see Extract basically getting flung out the roof, full-on uppercut style. And then we see two of the other lackeys shooting at a couple of figures walking there, clo- covered in black, with a, a glowing like white outline around them. And uh, from there, we get to reveal. Well, we see one more shot where the two of those guys get taken care of too, uh, flown through the building. Um, all the people run out the out the front door, so the people that were in there, the normal civilians, all escape. And we get a close-up of Roy, and he's laying on the ground, and like with his crazy green gaslight. Well, sorry, bl- like white gaslight around him. And uh, he rubs his face, and he sits up, and he's like, oh, thanks for the help. Um, hello? And then we pull back to see a crazy reveal. And the crazy reveal, I mean, this is the book, this is the part that sold it for me. It's Roy as a Black Lantern, surrounded by Black Lantern constructs of different versions of him from time. So there's a like speedy version, there's an Arsenal version, there's a Red Arrow version. And he's like, oh, what have I got myself into? And that's where the first book, like, ends. So, like, where the ring came from in the first place, where the power came from in the first place, no idea. But it's a really cool, like, reveal at the end of a story that I think is awesome. Um, the cover does tell us that Roy is going to be part of this team they're building because he's on the cover with President Superman and uh, Agent Chase and Obsidian and Jade and Alan Scott. So, from what we know for the team lineup, at least from the cover... Clearly, he's going to be part of whatever this group is. But uh, that reveal at the end is just crazy. Yeah, as far as things, characters that got dead in the universe and weren't brought back whenever the resetting happened, he was one of them initially that stayed dead for quite a while. Um, so, him being back, uh, it's a good question. Like, how or why or what? 
I'm going to say awesome. Uh, as far as like a story, score-wise, I mean, I give the book a three and a half. It's got a lot of interesting dialogue, and like we have some throwback characters. I mean, Mr. Bones is a character we haven't seen for freaking ever. Um, the idea of a Justice League that is basically a interdimensional Justice League, I like a lot. I don't know if this is going to end in that or not, but I like that concept. So a Justice League built to look after problems in all the dimensions. I think that's freaking cool. Um, our cast is a little weird, but... I mean, I can live with it for now. Art's great, and like Williamson's a good writer, so um, so I dig I dig what's going on. Um, yeah, three I give it three and a half. That's what I got. Uh, Josh, what do you know about the uh, Infinity Inc. or Infinite Frontier? Infinite Frontier. Yeah. Um, it's you know, you know, I really enjoyed the art in it. Uh, more than I thought that I was going to because I, I don't like the cover. The cover kind of turns me off. I like the the B cover better with it has uh, Alan Scott and Obsidian on the front. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a connecting cover, actually. It's, so it'll be, eventually it'll be a group shot when it gets done. Oh, the other the yeah, other ones? Yeah, I like, I like that cover better. Um, it's weird they have Dark Side on the front because they, haven't, they didn't... They didn't really mention him. I don't know if that's a if that's a leaning to what Batman from, or from Thomas is where he was running from or what the problem was. I mean, it's. I guess it's possible that Darkseid is the one that we're getting the message from, but that lightning strike where we see that what looks like a bat ear only makes sense to me to be the bat laughs. Now, could I be wrong? Sure. I've been wrong before. So, it could be. But it could be Psycho Pirate working for Darkseid, I guess. But it makes more sense for bat laughs to be using Psycho Pirate. So, yeah, I don't know what exactly that leans to. I mean, I guess the next issue will get more of that piece, but I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I would think that'd have to be some sort of for- like. It's got to be some kind of foreshadowing for sure. But whether that means we have an Earth where Darkseid's not a bad guy, or where his own wants align with the Justice Incarnate, I mean, but, maybe. But who could kill a god, though? You know what I mean? I mean, maybe yeah. Darkseid. It would make sense with the power that he has, but by the end of it, when Bat Who Laughs is defeated by Wonder Woman, he's already like a bad god. So he's no longer just a normal, messed up Joker Batman with magic powers. He's transcended to a full, like, demigod Batman. Right. So, I would say he could, but, I mean, at this point, it's weird that the timing on it's where it's at. Well, I mean, I mean, anyway, overall, I give it, like, I give it, like, a 2.75. Like, I, I know enough that's going on, but I'm, like, also kind of like, eh. It is, like, nothing, like, the, the best part of it was when, like, Roy gets the Black Lantern in the ring at the end. Yeah, the catch at the end is the best and part. Captain Carrot. Like, that was, you know, that's kind of the two parts. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Right. I mean, it could be a really cool book. I just, I care so little about these ca- I I love Alan Scott. I always have. Sure. Um, And not that I care either way, whether he's gay or not. But right. like, the fact that they make such an issue of it now kind of takes away from him as a character because he was the original Green Lantern. And he's always been really cool. And the fact that he has two kids that are so messed up, and he already has so much drama and craziness around him, and the fact that you like put the gay thing on him is just odd. Like it just kind of, it, it kind of is like just, it just, I don't know, adding something that you don't need to add. Sure, extra baggage. You, you know, and it, I mean, okay, I, I really don't care if that right. makes any sense. You know what I mean? And, I don't feel like it's overhanded in this book because they only make mention of it that one time. Yeah, but he's just like, is but it yeah. because of this? And his son's like, well, no, it's maybe because we miss you and like we don't ever get to see you and we don't right. ever spend time together and like all these things and like, you know what I mean? But it, 
it was just like I don't know, like this throwing that in, throwing that out there. And there's another one in an upcoming book. There's like a scene that I, the same thing kind of happens. It's just like I don't care if you're throwing these kinds of things about characters out. It's fine and dandy, you know. But it, I mean, I don't care one way or the other. I really don't like what. Whoever you are, whoever you who you are, is whoever you are. But I think sometimes they throw those things in there, just to like, hey, just to like check it out. We're being kind of like with the times, and I think that that was kind of one of those moments. You know, like I think that Obsidian could have had that same conversation with his dad and be like, hey, we really miss you. Like, because Obsidian's never really like that heartfelt. Like he's always kind of like the dark, brooding, like like angry teenager at kind of acting character. Like he's always kind of like borderline bad guy. And like Jade's always like the good one, you know and You know what I mean? It's just right. kind of like, so anyway, I just thought that part was weird. And the president Superman thing, like, um, I don't know if they're maybe trying to like boost that character because they're thinking about maybe doing a movie about him or may- that about that Superman specifically, you know what I mean? Like, that, there's been a lot of rumor about that. Right. But, like, I don't really like that character. I think it's kind of lame. Like, the idea of, like, an a- you know, like, if he's Superman, and I haven't read enough about the character, so I may be wrong, but if he is Superman, that means that did he not still come from a planet Krypton of some sort, or no? Does he get his powers from somewhere else? From what I understand, he's the same, and just not the same color. So, like, that means then he's, like, not from Earth, and so that means he's not American, and so that means he shouldn't be able to be allowed to be president. president. And so, like, I'm just going into that aspect of it. Just Mm -hmm. like, well... Like, like, everybody's just like, go ahead and give, like, the demigod, like, full reign over the United States, too. I'm just like, hmm... You know, I don't know enough about the politics on Earth-23 to know that. So, uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so so again, like, that, that, that was one of my questions... I like the idea that, like, of all the all the characters that have, like, come and gone and died and come back, like, Roy was one that, like, they didn't, hadn't dealt with yet, and then they're like, oh, by the way, Roy's back, and you're like, okay, cool. Like, and it'd be cool if, like, the Black Lantern thing, we haven't seen a lot of Black Lantern stuff for a while, so. Right. But he's alive, he's not dead. Yeah. So. That's the weird part. Are people who used to be dead that have come back to life able to access Black Lantern rings now? That part's rad. Yeah. So, like, it is, like. I think the way I give it like a two seven five, like it's a little bit better than like just a fifty percent book for me, like because it has some interesting ideas. But on the other hand, I'm like, man, eh, some of it was just kind of boring to me. Sure, I think as the catch goes forward, that'll probably get more, uh, more crazy, interesting. This and is like be- a set the page kind of book. Yeah, and it is, but it's only one of six, so it's just right. like it's kind of like okay, and you know, is it setting up another crisis, like? That's what they're acting like. Yeah, we just got out of a crisis, and we got to have another crisis. Just like sometimes they just need to chill out and just let books be books for a little bit before you like build up to another. You don't have to go in one thing into the next, into the next, into the next, into the next. And I think that they do that sometimes. I think, you know, I think that's a big frustration on my part. It's just like I think sometimes people just want to like read like, hey, I just want to read my character for a while without having to be involved in this massive thing all the time. Sure. So, but anyway, yeah, I mean. I am a little bit curious to see where some of the characters go and what, you know, kind of what's going on. Like, but other than that, like, maybe if they bring in some cooler, some people who've also been dead or not dead and whatever. Right. I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting to see what the next book sets forward. I, there are characters that I dig too, like, just like you. I mean, like, Mr. Bones, uh, for whatever reason, I like that character and I don't, maybe it's because it was, because he's original spawn, maybe. <laughs> I mean, but I do date that character, so, I mean, whether he's a shysty uh, government agent or not, right? for whatever reason, I like that skull head. 
All right, well, let's move on to some uh, some Gamma Flight from the old Marvel comics. Gamma Flight um, number one um, of a five-part series. And this book is written by Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier, and it's drawn by Lan Medina. So this book, The Roll Call, it kind of starts right off with that, uh, maybe because people don't know who Gamma Flight possibly are. Um, we have Puck. From out, Al- who was originally in Alpha Flight? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Titania, um, the Absorbing Man, the Doc Sasquatch, who maybe is Sasquatch mixed with Doc Samson. It's a recent transformations. He's stuck in Sasquatch's body. Samson is yeah. He's it's a re- it's a recent thing that's happened. Yeah, um, Doctor Charlene McGowan and Rick Jones slash Del Fry, which is also a recent a recent thing that's happened. And it's a nightmare. It's so crazy. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, it starts off, um, Shadow Base Remote Facility F934 decommissioned, and it starts off with Absorbing Man is on a standoff with some soldiers, and, um, Doc Sasquatch is in the background, and it's him, and his, and, uh, he's the one talking, and he's talking about how his name's, what his name is, and he was transformed, and his, uh, his, Scumbag dad taught him that the most important lesson that the world eats you alive unless you're the biggest, meanest guy in eye shot. And he's like, but there's always somebody bigger and tougher. He's like, and he says, hey, Leonard, uh, you almost done back there? It looks like it's checkout time because these guys are pointing guns at their faces. And obviously these shoulders like shoot at him like they don't even like hesitate. And he's a Zori man. And he's like, oh, lead, that's fun. So he turns into lead and uh, he starts, you know, because if you don't know the Zori man, whatever you hit him with or like. Any, any element he touches, he can transform himself into. So whether it be lead, metal, stone, whatever, he can become that element as a thing. And as he's fighting these guys, Doc, or you know, Doc, Doc Samson slash Doc Sasquatch, uh, was like, "Put him down, Carl." And he's like, "He's like, he's like, oh, Gyrick sends his goons, and you, you, we got me to tuck him in. You got a, you got a lot to learn about being a fugitive, Len." He's like, "If they were with Henry Gyrick, they'd have bigger guns." And he's like, "So what about these guns? They big enough that I get, get to fight back?" Like, They're probably expecting the Hulk. So come on, let's go. And then some, somewhere in New Mexico, Charlene, um, McGowan is like, she's talking to him, and she's like. Basically saying like, hurry up! We need to get you guys back. Grab the things you need to grab, and then somebody shoots Absorbing Man again with a bigger gun. So he turns, you know, he like uses this thing, kind of like all of a sudden he has like big armor and guns on him. Transforms himself, face yeah. into a, like a war machine looking guy, right? Which I didn't know that he could do that. It's so, a little different. So I'm not really sure if that's a new thing or not because I don't think I've ever seen him actually turn himself into like robot parts like that. So. He, that's weird to me too, a little bit. So he's yeah, because he's like talking like he he falls down on like a like a war like a like some sort of like mech suit, right? And he's like, so let's see what we've got to work with here. Um, deep breath, push past the metal, absorb the purpose. So he can absorb the actual purpose of what the machine was, not just like what it's made out of, right? And so they get Doc Sasquatch out of there and. Um, well, he used the teleporters. That's what the doctor was doing back in uh, back at the base. Yeah, she was trying to teleport him out of there, power, powering up the teleporter to move them back. And at one point, she's like, "I can't do both of you because the, there's not enough. Like, I can't do both of you." 
And then afterwards, she's like, well, it's going to take a minute to recharge, so hang on, Carl. That's when he does the whole transformation thing, which, again, I don't know when that became a thing to be able to do it, but I think that's cool. But I don't know when that became a thing. Yeah. The intent stuff versus just the material itself. Anyway. So, yeah, she's in the process of transporting him, and she transports Sasquatch back, and then she gets Carl eventually. So then, like, Doc Sasquatch is already back before him. And then Absorb Man shows up a minute later, and uh, they're talking about how, like, we got everything on the shopping list, but that's probably not a place we need to go back to. It's too dangerous. And then Puck shows up, and he's like, Aaron's, does that mean the transporter's ready again? Doc Sasquatch says, uh, almost, Puck, we're going to need some more space and better power infrastructure. And, you know, Absorb Man starts talking trash, and Doc Sasquatch is pretty angry at him, and Puck has to get in between the two of them. So the group's dysfunctional. Yeah, very. Carl's uh, like, next time we go to still a base, we'll try to still a base with bigger electric. Like, very, yeah. Well, and then he, you know, Doc Sasquatch is sitting there with uh, Dr. Charlene McGowan. He's like, he just doesn't get it. When he loses control, we all look like monsters. So it's like when Azora Man goes in and like, starts killing soldiers or hurting people, like, it makes him look horrible. And sh- and she's like, hey, I know, you're not a monster, Leonard. And, sh- and he's like, thanks. And, they- and then he's like, has his arm around her. And, but he's this huge guy, you know, he's this huge, he's Sasquatch, this dude, right. and he's like, and she's like, ooh, that feels good. And he, and he's like, I'm not just, I'm not, I'm just not used to being a fugitive, hiding from Guy Rick and Alpha Flight, fighting soldiers, looting government bases, and she's like, I know, but once we figure out how to help Rick and Dell, so their whole, their whole, it looks like their whole thing is like to help Rick and Dell, who are like morphed in this c- c- crazy two-headed monster. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, so sketchy. Yeah. And, uh, and then he's like, and all, and, and because she's like, yeah, I want to figure out how to help Rick and Dylan. And he's like, yeah, and get my old body back. And she's like, and get your old body back. And, and he's like, thanks. I don't think the others get it, but I know you could relate to feeling trapped in a body that feels so unnatural. And she just loses it and, she, and like, runs away. And she's like, just because my body is transgender, it doesn't mean it's unnatural. It's not the same. And he's like, um, oh, okay, sorry. So the next scene is it's a Zori man in a... Titania, Titania, like sitting there and like just kind of hanging out in there, and she's looking for something and like, and uh, she's like, I got something for you, and she gets down on one knee and like, and and she's like, Carl Creel, would you do me the honor of being my husband? It's secondary adamantium because you're tough, but I can still break you. And he's like, Oh, Mary, you've made me the happiest man in the world. And they kiss, and he puts on this ring made of adamantium. Which is genius, actually. Like, when she's searching around, she's looking for a box, and she finds it. So it's this whole, like. She's looking through a box, looking yeah. for a small, I guess, a little, like, and it's a ring box. And, uh. But the idea of him having a ring that he's wearing of the secondary adamantium means he would always be able to change into it if he wanted to, because he constantly has it. Right. So it's kind of brilliant. Why he, that hasn't been a thing before for him, I don't know. Right. Well, because I'm sure there's not very many adamantium rings. Right, I mean, that's true, too. As far as material, it's pretty rare. So, I mean, yeah. But it's pretty cool, this whole, like, proposal thing that they do. Because the two of them have been married for a while, but... Yeah, it's like, it's a pretty cool reversal kind of thing. It's neat. So then in walks... Like, so they kind of have their moment, and, uh... In, in walks Puck with, like, a bag of, like, burritos and stuff, and they're like, Did you get Rick's horchata? That's all he's been asked about since he left. And he's like, yeah, got it right here. How's our boy doing today? Like, our boy's not great. I think they're really struggling with the move. And then, like, it's, you, like, Eugene, 
and they're like, ah, it's kind of hard to explain. Like, it's it's Rick's head, Rick Jones's head, and Del Fry's weird body, but Rick Jones is, like, coming off of him, like, it was back in this long, like, skin, flesh, neck tube thing. It's weird. It's full-on horror monster, yeah. Del, Del Fry's... So he's, like, he was a kid that was a football player that was really, like, a really great football player. And his father, who was a scientist, created this enhancing chemical that made a gamma radiation. And his son was, like, heading towards the pros as an athlete. And the, the doctor admittedly did give himself the shot first, and it worked okay for his body. So he assumed it would be the same for his son, and he winds up giving it to his son to help prevent him having future injuries and be able to be this all-star quarterback that was just better than anybody else, better than better, you know? But it did other things to him and did not work the same way it did on the father. Yeah, it turned this big green weird monster. And well, it transforms his body, but initially it killed him. And so the father was covered up that it was this chemical that killed him, and the whole town had, like, this funeral for him. Anyway, eventually when they dig him out of the... Because of other things that happened... The Hulk winds up finding out about this gamma plague that's affecting this town, and when he shows up there, they dig up the body, and inside the coffin, he's alive, just transformed into this crazy, green-looking, scare-glow kind of dude that's basically like a living skeleton that glows green everywhere. But yeah, other stuff led to Rick Jones' dead body reanimating and being attached to him, like, I don't know, the thing out of Evil Dead in the basement. With a crazy neck. It's weird, because, like, the Rick Jones thing is flesh-looking, and the fry thing is green, glowing, and, but, like, Rick's eyes are green. It's odd. Anyway, like, um, Puck walks up, and he's like, like, uh, how's things going? Like, a guy's guy's lunch, and they're like, oh, awesome. And then, you know, Fry's like, my game won't work. He's like, well, let's take a look. And he sits down, and, like, kind of sits with them, and kind of works with them, and the game starts working, and, and, like, Rick Jones is part of the thing is like hey use both hands and he's like it's so then he like drops the controller and it breaks it and he's like it's just so hard it's so hard puck i, I don't understand well they're calling him eugene because that's his name but right i'm saying puck because it, you know, that's, whatever. that's who he is yeah that's fine but uh <clears throat> they're like and he's just, he's like hey you're, you you got, this is a change you guys you know your two people merge together like it's gonna take some time we'll figure this out and and then he like switches it to a tv show like from the game to a tv and he's like oh no and then it's like on the news, it's this, like, big, weird, sloshy gamma monster. And it says, Gamma Monster Attacks Austin. And uh, so they all they all get together and, like, hey, this is kind of our thing. We need to go take care of it. It's like, why do we got to take care of this? And it's like, well, because that's what we do. We need to go help this person because they don't... This gamma radiation thing is, like, nobody's ever... any Anytime somebody's introduced to this gamma radiation, nobody gets away from it. And they're like, well, Scar did. Like, Hulk's son, Scar did. He chose to. And they're like, but nobody's seen him since, so nobody really knows if he came back or not. Right. Nobody knows if he managed to actually escape it or not. And for a while, Scar lived in the Savage Land. He was off the grid. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him in proper books for a minute. Right. Uh, but, yeah, as a thing, they're like, this person's in... Whoever this gamma monster is needs help. So, so like... They're, so they're going to go... And, uh, like, well, you know, like, I'm tired of, like, going and dealing with, like, the whole Avengers and all this stuff. And, uh, and, you know, they're all kind of arguing, like, Azori Man and Titania don't, don't really want to go. And, but, you know, um, Dr. Sasquatch is like, yeah, we, we can, we can just ignore it or we can go there and, like, see what this, what's wrong with this person, why they're, cause they're obviously mad about something. We can, we can help them out and get them out of there before they get, get Brock back into custody. 
So they're like, all right, let's do this. And uh, their suits are kind of cool. That's the one thing I do, like, that's, like, green with, like, this little, like, star, like, yellow star thing on the front of them. Oh, the design for them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty neat. But uh, So they pop up in, in Austin, and they're like, all right, where's it at? And they're like, ah, it's moving forward. It's coming fast. And they're like, how fast? And all of a sudden, like, you know, Doc Sasquatch is standing there, and, like, this monster thing is, like, right behind him, smashes his head into the ground, and then, like, Titania, like, runs at him, is like, Tries to tries to defend and kicks her and uh, Zori Man like uses the adamantium to turn himself into adamantium and fight this thing and all of a sudden Puck's like we can help that's why we came here like like stop like we we can talk we just wait I'm not gonna hurt you like what's your name and like when they, they call me and they call me um stockpile and like no I don't want your code name tell me what your name is and she's like it's it's Dion and he's like. All of a sudden, um, as they're all standing there, and Doc Sasquatch is talking to this this creature, which is like pretty messed up looking. Um, they show Absorber Man, and somebody like shoots him in the head, and it, I mean he's got adamantium skin right now because of like the ring, but like, like hey, that's that wasn't a warning shot. Like, the, like the cops are like, um, hands above your head, the Hulkbusters are on their way. Um, you will be contained, and they're like. And then Titania just goes kind of, she's like, no, nah, this isn't a thing. And she kind of just goes berserker rage. And oh, yeah. Like they hurt Full her. on takes like, off. They try to kill her man. Yeah. Dr. Sasquatch, is like, uh, he's like, the the monster, like, takes takes off and is like, I'll go after her. Um, you guys uh, try to calm Titania down. But then back at the base, um, Charlene McGowan um, is like, hey, I'm having some problems getting you guys out of there because they don't have enough power. So that's the whole point of the beginning of the book is they're getting stuff to like increase the power at the base to be able to like transport everybody all all together. Right. And so, um, all of a sudden they translocate Puck and Absorbing Man, but um, the monster and Doctor Sasquatch and Titania are still left there. Right. And um, so. They're like, well, they're, until I reboot this system, um, they're stuck there, and it's going to take some time. And then it flashes back to Austin and the Dion girl who's like the, in this weird thing, and she's like, oh, no, not you. And, they, and then like they got some information, and it flashes back and forth. So like, she escaped from a lab. So, someone gave her a code name. She expected someone to collect her with someone with Gamma. And so like, she's asking questions, Charlene is. And then it shows Dion. She's like, oh, no, not you. And like, oh, yes, it's me. And then it goes back to that original conversation with, like, Absorbing Man, where he's like, there's always someone bigger and meaner. And then so Charlene's like, so that means somebody out there is building Gamma Mutates. And then it goes back to Absorbing Man's box, and he's like, and if you piss them off enough, they'll adapt too. And then it goes, it flashes to Scar, and he looks way different, um, kind of, but he looks a lot more aggressive he's got like horn things like finger things coming out of his head off his shoulders and he's like your old friend scar you're coming home stockpile daddy's orders and it's like pretty messed up looking like he looks a lot different than he used to oh, very very aggro too it, yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy how different he looks but like all these mutations we've had happen and since the immortal hulk book started happening result in crazy things i mean rick jones current situation is pretty crazy but before that, his because Rick's been dead for a while, and his body got reanimated prior to this over in the Immortal Hulk series, and the reanimation led to like sort of an abomination-looking transformation, but with lots of extra fingers and two faces. Um, it was crazy. 
anyway, so yeah, the, the stuff that's been happening with the gamma radiation has been making things a lot more monstrous in general. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. And, like, Scar being as, as aggro as he is is not normal either, so it makes me wonder if he's willingly working for whoever it is or if he's been trapped to work for him because Stockpile escaped from somebody that was doing tests and messing with them. So, yeah, interesting header. You got a score for that book, Josh? Um, I do two and a half, you know, um... Being a number one, like, I almost feel like that they could have just done, it's just, they're basically expecting you to know everything that's been going on. Right. And I guess if you read, I mean, it does say right on the front cover, like, from the pages of the Immortal Hulk, so, like, as a continuation of what's going on there, there's a write-up at the beginning about, like, who they are and, like, who they were working for and how they, they broke away to help the Hulk because they realized he wasn't the bad guy kind of thing and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, they just... The, some of the characters are such lesser characters that I'm just kind of... I, I mean, I don't know a lot about a lot of these people, you know? Like, sure. Like, especially because you're going Alpha Flight and, like, B, B and C-list, like, characters, like, Absorbing Man and sure. Titania and, like, whatever. You know, like, Puck, Puck and... Like, he's... He's part of Alpha Flight. Like he periodically shows up in like X Men stuff. You know, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. But like, I mean, he's just kind of just a really, really small guy. Like, well, yeah, that's that's what his deal is. I mean, he's he's very small, but he has the uh, strength of. He's very, very strong, but he's yeah, height wise challenged. Well, he's super small, but he's got like he's super indestructible kind of guy. Cause, right. Like, yeah, but I mean, yeah, whatever. Like, it's interesting. You know, I'll go to two and a half. Like I, I wouldn't normally pick this up. It wouldn't have been my jam, but right. Um, I I like Scar. I think he's cool. I like the idea of like Hulk having a son from like a war, war world and being like he has like those powers because he was born that way. Right. So I think that's the difference. But I don't know. Like the cover for the next issue doesn't have all the weird thing finger things coming out of his head. Yeah, he looks more normal in the next cover. Yeah, because at the end of this book, like he looks, it just looks weird. It looked like fingers coming out of his head. And then he's got like all these like, I mean, yeah, like with fingernails and yeah. stuff. It's like very odd looking. His shoulders too, like, and then it's, yeah, one shoulder is like he's got things growing from them as well. Yeah, it's definitely. It just shows that his mutation has gone farther, and like, being that he was born the way he is, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that so much. But they did a storyline before where they drained all the gamma out of him, and that's when he went off to the Savage Land, and so like he was. Basically a normal dude, and obviously that has not stayed that way. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of what the whole Immortal Hulk storylines are really about, is about the transformations through f- through death and through further mutation. Uh, it's been crazy, and it's definitely like a horror story, which, I mean, the look of Rick Jones tells you that. He's, it's crazy. Yeah, as far as the, so score wise, you said two and a half? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I wasn't a big fan of the art. The art was kind of weak, but... All right. As far as score, I mean, I do know more than what's, what's going on. I I also have holes in there too because there's a lot of Hulk stuff I never read, and like we a lot of this stuff does come directly out of Immortal Hulk. So if you've been reading Immortal Hulk, this story will make a lot of sense to you because a lot of these pieces come directly from there. And it's Al Ewing writing it, who's also writing Immortal Hulk, so that makes sense. Um, I do like the build of the team. I mean. 
Titania and uh, Absorbing Man being like, I mean, kind of good guys, reluctant good guys, but still, I think that's cool. Uh, this whole Doc Sasquatch thing is still weird to me, but I mean, I like Doc Sampson, so it's cool to see him do things, even if it's the transformed version of him. And I guess, I don't know, I guess the idea of like a, a group of gamma-infused gamma hunters working as like, I don't know, sort of like the A-Team being teleported everywhere, I think is a really cool idea. So my brain packages it that way. Um, score-wise, I mean, I give it a two and a half also. It's, it's interesting. I'm interested to see what they do with the next book and whether we find out what the truth about Scar is. I think that would be cool to, to just see what that's about. Uh, but yeah, as far as like crazy nightmare stuff, the whole Rick Jones doublehead dead body reanimated now attached to Delphi is all just so crazy. It's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I give it two and a half. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I, I see what you mean with the pieces that feel like holes. And the front write-up, it's there, but it doesn't give you everything you need. So it is a better read if you are abreast of what's happening in Immortal Hulk is a thing. So, I will give you that. Uh, from there, anything else about the Immortal Hulk? Or the, uh, sorry, the Gamma, Gamma Flight? Nope. Okay. Uh, so from there, we're moving to Infinite, or sorry, Justice League Infinity, uh, number one. So what we got going on here is this Justice League Infinity is following out of the Justice League animated series. So like the cartoon series from, I don't know, whatever year that came out, 92, 90, I don't remember when it happened. But the Justice League animated cartoon series and Justice League Unlimited, this follows out of that. So the cast we have is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, John Stewart, Hot Girl, Martian Manhunter, um, and then a handful of the other underlings that showed up during the, uh, during the Unlimited stuff. So like, uh, Mr. Miracle, Big Barda, uh, Vixen. So like, this is following kind of like what they were doing with the Batman animated series continues. Except. Just like Unlimited went to 04 to 06. To 2004, 2006, okay. But it's the same concept as, like, the Batman animated series continues. So it follows out of the, what the animated cartoon series was doing. Um, this guy is written by James DeMattis and uh, James Tucker. And the art on it is by Ethan Beavers. And when the story first opens up, we're, we're basically out in space. And we have this voiceover happening. And the voiceover is green-colored with a red X on the side, which eventually you realize it's Martian Manhunter. That's what we got going on. And uh, we see these other worlds and these other living beings. They're little squid guys. And uh, in the middle of all that, we see Amazo. And Amazo is flying through space, searching for meaning. And the voiceover, it's John Stewart's... Or, no, not John Stewart. Martian Manhunter. John Jones. And uh, we see how Amazo is being received by the worlds and how he's received out, out in, the, in the cosmos. And some people fear him, but it's because they don't understand him. Initially, he was a bad guy. Then eventually, he decides he needs to find purpose and flies off to space. And we really didn't see him since then. And uh, there's a whole lot of stuff about him trying to find his his inner who he, his inner realization, I guess, or his inner I don't know who he's supposed to be inside. And uh, as he flies past everything in the cosmos, eventually he finds something that beyond the cosmos which presents itself as this crazy door surrounded by eyeballs and lightning and 
he feels calling from the door, and so he decides to go inside the door. And once he's inside there, he sees this crazy, like, realm of mirrors that are all his own face. And uh, from there, we wind up cutting to Earth. And we have this uh, couple out sitting uh, in, like, a park. Uh, older woman and older man sitting next to a Buddha shrine. And the two of them are talking about their kids and their day and how how are your boys doing? And it's this whole, like... I don't know, normal conversation, I guess, between these two older folks. And uh, while this is going on, we still have inner monologue going on for for the Martian Manhunter. And uh, the two of them say their farewells for the days and how much they enjoy talking with each other. And uh, the lady says, or the, uh, the old man says, I, jo- I enjoy your friendship, Amir. And she's like, and I yours. And she goes home and he goes wherever. And uh, once we see her at home, well, she transforms into the Martian Manhunter, and we find out that Martian Manhunter, since he separated himself from the Justice League, has lived a lot of lives, lived a lot of personalities, and he's trying to find inner connection inside still. And so we see all these different faces that he's been, and people he's been through different lives, and he talks about how much he enjoys this life, but he constantly feels pulled back to the Justice League. And about that time, we return to the Justice League uh, Metro Tower, and uh, we have the Flash, and he's speeding in. He's like, oh, I can't believe... I, we were just about to lock lips, and I can't... Everything's always got to... It's always got to be crazy. The Flash has to save everybody. And uh, as he's running and talking to himself, he enters into the building, and once he gets into the main hall, it, well, it turns out it's a surprise birthday party, that what he's been called for isn't this crazy end-of-the-world thing. It's the Justice League basically waiting to throw him a birthday party that ruined his date. And uh, we see the room, and there's a giant cake with a lightning ball on top of it. And we got Martian Manhunters there, uh, Hawk Girls there, Elongated Man's there, Fire and Ice are there, Red Tornado's there, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, the Atom, Vixens, so like a whole pile of different characters. And they're like, "Oh, we're happy to celebrate your birthday!" And uh, of course, as a thing, as they're, as they're all kind of saying happy birthday for him, we find out this Flash is Wally West. So they've named him to be which Flash it is, and eventually Batman even says, well, he says he hates birthdays. <laughs> and Wonder Woman's like, that's not really true, he doesn't really mean that. And so like, we're reminded with this kind of, that this is the time whenever Batman and Wonder Woman in the animated series were sort of a couple. It's not heavy-handed, but there's enough of the two of them interacting that that's the time frame we're dealing with. And uh, we we go to the rest of the party, and we get, you know, little pieces for everybody. Booster Gold's got himself a plate full of cake, and a long man just wants one piece, and of course Booster's not willing to share any of his pieces. And uh, we go from there to uh, Vixen and uh, 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 Hot Girl talking, and Jon Stewart's like, oh, I better get over there and uh, see what they're talking about. Uh, because in the anime cartoon series, he had a romance with both of them, the current romance being with Vixen. And we kind of go over that a little bit, how Hawkgirl's like, oh, not everything's about you, John. And off she walks, and he's like, oh, did I overstep a little bit? And she's like, ah, maybe a little bit, but, you know, come here, handsome. That's what Vixen says to him. So it, all this stuff going on is things towards the end of the series of the cartoon. And uh, as Hawkgirl's walking away, you know, lamenting to herself why she can't ever let things just be normal, we see a boom tube open. And uh, she's like, oh, incoming, we got incoming. And from the boom tube spews out a whole bunch of parademons. And shortly after, that's followed by Granny Goodness. And she's in here to whoop the Justice League. Which just to say, just to say this, Granny Goodness is one of the most random 
obnoxious characters <laughs> that exists in comic books to me. Sure. It's basically like Kathy Bates' character from Misery. And I, I mean, yeah. And I hate Kathy Bates and Misery. <laughs> so it's like, I'm just like, ugh, such a stupid character. Well, you're not supposed to like her. I mean, no, but it's not, even, it's not even useful. Well, I mean, she's a bad guy that's connected to the dark side, so... I guess, but she's all, like, built. It's just, like, a Russian weightlifter with Kathy Bates' head on <laughs> who comes from, like, Apocalypse. It's, like, such the worst character ever invented. <laughs> like, I'd be... I'm going to research to find out who, like, invented that and be, send him an email and be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, and she's also got a smoker's voice, so that's good times. Right. Well... Of course, so the, everyone posts up to go fight her, and we, what we find out, we see Big Barda there also with our Scott Free, because it's the uh, married couple version of them, and uh, they take the whooping parademons, and everybody's fighting everything, and Granny Goodness is like, we're going to destroy the Justice League and prove to the Apocalypse we deserve to rule Apocalypse. And from there, we cut back to Amazo, and now we've got internal monologue sort of happening, but Amazo's actual dialogue and he's like, who's behind these mirrors? And who? There's something inside here. Something's going to reveal to me what the truth is. And he just starts smashing everything. And uh, while that's going on, of course, we have the Martian Man and are also lamenting how the two of them are very the same. So I, I, I don't retract my statement, but it was Jack Kirby. Oh, for granny goodness. It um, makes sense because it's Apocalypse. First appeared in Mr. Miracle number two in 1971. Well, there you go. So, But I don't retract my statement, Jack. Rest, <laughs> rest in peace. Right. In the process of him smashing everything, we wind up seeing a crack happen in one of these mirrors, and this crazy, like, blue, black smoke starts emitting from it. And uh, while this is going on, like, we we realize Martian Manhunter is still kind of connected to the Justice League, because he's aware of the battle happening. And uh, we return post-haste to the battle, and we see Booster Gold fighting also, and trying to keep his cake from the parademons, and Superman punching them out, and Bart is like, oh, you picked the worst, worst day, Granny Goodness, and as all this is going on, we see another boom tube open. And from the other boom tube, out spews Calabac with another group of... Well, they're they're not parademons. They're dark side troopers. And he's like, oh, I'm here to destroy the Justice League, so I can prove I should rule Apocalypse. And so now that leads to the granny goodness, the parademons, and the troopers all fighting each other and fighting the Justice League. So it's just turned into a crazy no-holds-bar kind of brawl. And, uh... In the middle of it, it's not going so great for everyone. We do get some funny shots where, like, Booster Gold loses his plate of food, and the elongated man finally gets some cake. Um, from there, we cut to, to John Jones, so Marsh Manhunter, and he wakes up in the middle of his, of his sleep, and he's like, oh, the Justice League needs my help, I have to go. And so he transforms into our classic Marsh Manhunter, and as he walks to the window, he decides not to go. He has to be separate. He has to figure out who he is. He has to figure out how he fits in this world. And he transforms back in, into his female persona that we just saw him in earlier out having the conversation with the old man at the park. Uh, from there, we return back to the battle, and uh, everyone's just whooping everyone. Um, and as this is going on, of course, uh, Batman's starting to try and make a plan, and we cut over to, Marsh, to Mr. Miracle, who actually has figured out a plan. He tells Barda he just needs a couple minutes to recalibrate his uh, boom tube device. And she's like, why are you playing with stuff? Like, why aren't you helping us? He's like, I just need a minute. I just need a minute. It's, it's going to be fine. This is totally going to work. She's like, are you sure it's going to work? He's like, maybe. And uh, from there, he manages to get control of both the boom tubes that, that sent Calabac and Granny Goodness here. 
he activates the two of them firing back and forth, sending both groups back home. So yeah, it worked. It basically sucked everyone in from the portals they came from and made it into it. From there, we see like Batman standing there with the Flash and elongated man, everyone just sort of looking around with nothing else to do. And the Flash raises his arm, he's like, best birthday party ever! And Batman's like, glad you're happy, Flash. You're going to be the one cleaning up the mess. And from there, we cut to the apartment where Superman and Lois Lane live, and uh, he's regaling her the story of the, the party, and of course she's like, oh, so did the Flash actually clean things up? He's like, well, it didn't take him long. It's he's a Flash. Uh, then we see again the crack in the window, the mirrors, with the blue crazy energy light licking out of it. And uh, as the two of them are having dinner, Lois and Clark, they tip wine glasses together and we see the crack gets huge. And in the middle of their toasting, we see a giant screech and all of a sudden Superman's hand is turned from his normal hand to a black glove and he crushes the glass of wine. And he stands up and he smashes the table and he says, What have you done to me? What have you done to me, woman? And we see that he is transformed into... Uh, Red Sun Superman? No. This is the uh, the uh, Superman from the uh, crime oh. syndicate. With a crazy lightning bolt that's an S. So the SS version of Superman. Not right. the Red Sun because it would be the sickle and hammer. Right, right, right. But he's got the white uniform and the crazy black cape. So it's basically evil Superman. And that's where the book basically ends, with, uh, where's the real Superman? So this book's just a continuation of Justice League Unlimited? Yes. And they, they just now are starting to, just now doing this? Well, we had the other series happen with Batman, so the Batman Adventures continue, which is on to its second season of books. And I think with its success, they've decided to try to reach out and do a few other things that were connected to the older cartoons. But yeah, this comes directly out of that stuff. So as far as, like, where it's paced from... It's a continuation of the animated series. Uh, it's also set up to be a miniseries, just like the Batman one is. And now we're on wave two of that. I guess we'll see like how well this does and if people like it or not. Uh, but enough people like the Batman animated series continues series to do a second wave of it. And so now we're sort of continuing the animated cartoon series. That's basically what they're doing. Gotcha. So if you're a super big fan of the Just League Unlimited, Just League, the animated cartoon series, then this book is designed for you. Um, if you never saw that stuff, it kind of comes out of left field a little bit. If you're, if you don't know that. I mean, I vaguely remember watching, I mean, I watched some of that. I didn't watch it like. Sure. Like in order and all of it. Like, maybe we should see if Tyler can rip it for put us. It, put it on the, put it on the collection, yeah. Cause I know there were some episodes I liked. There was like a really cool Booster Gold episode that I liked. Well, sure, there's a whole handful of different, like, episodes that were kind of great and we saw a lot of the different characters. And, like, had them play in, like, little teams together. So, as far as the thing, I mean, that's where this is coming from. We're more dealing with our main Justice League characters, but that's why all the other characters that are there are there, because they were part of that in-season. And the whole romance with Vixen and Jon Stewart, and the whole uh, breakup with him and Shayera, simply because, you know, she turned out to be a bad guy, sort of, for a second, and then realized being bad was wrong, so... But yeah, that's where this whole book fits. So depending on how into the animated series series you were, this could be your main jam. Um, as far as the score, like as a book by itself, I'm going to give it a three and a quarter because you have to know where it comes from for it to make a lot of sense. Otherwise, it's sort of out of nowhere. And the art's fun. I mean, it's good. If you, As far as series is concerned, it has the animated feel to it. It has the animated style to it. So I don't know. Maybe a three and a half. I mean, it's a pretty fun read. 
but it is, you know, it's like the animated series. Like, it's kind of short and sweet to the point. And, like, the way The Flash behaves and where everyone works together is just like that series. I do like that we get evil Superman at the end. I think that's awesome. And the fact he shows up basically transplanted into the the dinner date with Lois Lane, awesome. So I mean, it's it's got it's going to have animated series shenanigans as we move forward. But the, I mean, knowing where Amazo came from and why he's out in space is directly from the cartoon. Because the last time we see him, he basically flies off into the galaxy to figure out where he fits, and that's where it all picks up at. I think it's odd that Superman's having like a romantic dinner in his Superman costume still. It's like, come on, man. Because the, the animated series. No. Because he likes to show off. She knows what you married. No. Superman. Stupid. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, Josh, can I score for that book? Give it a... I, I think they went too cartoony with the art. They went backwards from what, like, what the actual cartoon was. Like, it's too cartoony for me. And it's choppy. It's written written very choppily to me. Like they didn't like. There's not a flow to it. Like if they wanted to continue, like they need to get some flow going. Um, they have too much going on. They have like nine things going on in this book, and I know that they're like trying to set some things up, but like they need to kind of like. I felt like that they are trying to. They're reaching. Too many things happening. Yeah, all at once. I was just like. Now we yeah. got the birthday party. We have the invasion. Then we have March Manhunter on his own, doing his own thing. And Mazo Am- doing his own thing. And yeah, Mazo. And then so like, there's you know, a lot happening. Then you got the Superman true. thing at the end, and it's just like, let's set up the next, you know, the next event. You haven't dealt with any of the other things that you started with. Like you have the Dark Side being gone, and like with Granny Goodness and Calabac like fighting, and like there's just like so many things happening all at once. You're just like, what's going on? Like, what's the actual storyline here? Like, what are we following? Like, are, are we following Darkseid being gone? Are we following... Um, Amazo? Is that how it's said? I thought it was Amazo. I, no, was, I would say Amazo. That's how I've always heard it, but, I mean, I could be wrong. Whatever. Um, so are we following that? Are we following, like, this new Superman storyline? With He's like, is there some sort of time fissure? You know, like, I don't know. There's, like, a bazillion things going on. And so, like, I think they needed to pick, like, maybe two or three of them instead of, like, nine of them. And then, like, go from there. Well, they all kind of connect at the end. I mean... The, How do the, you know? You haven't read the end. Well... So you don't the know. broken glass has to be what caused Superman to change. But why? Don't know. If those two things don't connect, then it is a complete fail. Yeah. It's just, so they it's must just so much going on. I'm like, ugh. Okay. Was there a score in there, Josh? Uh, two. Okay. I don't know. I thought it was fun. And the birthday party is fun. And all the weird cheekiness is, you know, it's silly stuff from the cartoon. I mean, Booster Gold, don't get my cake, elongated man. And he's more worried about the cake than the parademons. It's just funny. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. And it is a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of chaos going on. You know, like, if I think that if somebody, I think there's millions of dollars to be made if they did a, like, a Justice League Unlimited, not unlimited. Um, what was the Justice League called when? Like, what did it change to when it was like Guy Gardner and Blue Beetle and all those guys? Justice League of America. No, but it was like it changed to something afterwards. Oh, International. Yeah, Justice League International. Like, if they did a Justice League International in this style as an animated series, you know, and it was like an Adult Swim or something, that would be gold. Like, that could make so much money, because, I mean, you have Guy Gardner, you have Blue Beetle, you have Booster Gold, you have Elongated Man, you know, Mr. Miracle, like, you have all these people, like, and then Max... Um, Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord, you know, like, the, 
that could be that could be some comedy gold. And I guess we'll see with, with what they're doing with the Superman cartoon and the Batman cartoon. It's kindly in that direction. So maybe maybe we'll see another incarnation of the Justice League. Maybe yeah, but like those characters are so awesome. Like they've always sure. been so brilliant, and like that stuff was so good. And like like well, you know when they when they did the like the later on they did the trades. Like they brought it back, kind of, and they did trades, and they, they were like their headquarters were in a strip mall and all that kind of stuff. It was just like, well, it's the eighties, so yeah. No, but like they, re, they when they brought it back, those like that wasn't the eighties. Oh, when they re-released it, uh, when, they, when they returned to the titling, not when they collected it, but when they returned to the titling, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think they just released those not as individual issues. I think they did them just as trades. No, there were there were individual issues before that. Before they did volumes, they didn't do any like OGM. Yeah, when they brought it back, though, like they brought it back for a little bit when it was kind of like gaining some traction. Sure. Like they did more stories, and then like, but I think they released them in just two trades, like just as two like small trades as all like 2010, maybe 2008. Like it's been that long ago. Like it was before the shop was open. Right. I ask a question. I guess I don't know enough about that time frame of it to know that, but I feel like that'd be weird if it were just volumes. But it, it wasn't like been. a full trade. It was just like it was like three issues, pretty much cut to combined oh, so together. It was like big, big, big issues. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, it was so there like, were issues. They were just like I'd have to look back yeah. into that. But like they did it, and maybe they, I don't know. But it was, but it was fantastic. And you know, fire and ice were part of that. Sure. Um, but I think that that could be written so well. Oh, have those characters in here. I mean, the only one we don't have. Yeah, they used them a lot in that. I remember, like, I re- that the episodes I remember of that of that show were with those characters inclusive of them. Yeah, well, not guy, not not guy, not Gardner. I, don't remember, I mean, but. Gardner. We we never. You know what? I don't remember if he even showed up in those cartoons or not. I don't think he. To be honest, I don't think he did. Did but like, because John Stewart was like the main Green Lantern we used. So as a thing. I mean, the only time I think that we saw Hal Jordan as animated like that was when they did like the Duck Dodgers, like Green Lantern core crossover, <laughs> and it was Hal Jordan, and Kevin Smith was the voice of Hal Jordan. There was a one with the where we deal with time travel a little bit, and because the timeline was breaking up, we switched between John and Hal playing the same role because in different time frames it was different because of what happened with the time travel i never liked john stewart as a as a green lantern he's like he's one of my least favorite and i've, I've said that before i don't know in, in why. the anime cartoon series i like him a lot i just don't i don't like him he bugs me sure i don't know why he just does like yeah, he everybody's just, got their favorite he's an architect and he's just boring and he's just like Whoa. oh that and a marine huh that and a marine i mean both yeah Sure. I mean, like I said, everybody's got their favorite. And he let an entire planet die. And, like he's like that wasn't his fault. He's living with the ghosts of his past, and like he can't. I mean, let that's it true. Go. He can't let oh, it go. Jeez. He does have a hard time letting that go. Yeah, dude. I'm like, dude. Like Kyle Reiner literally like carried the torch and like brought oh, the entire core. Like, give me a break, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it go. <clears throat> like I said, everybody's got their favorite. I have like nine favorites above him. <laughs> I like Nort better than I like oh, Stewart. Man. I do like Nort because he's funny. Uh, so from there, we'll move into the... What's uh, the squirrel one? Uh, that's Chip. Well, like actually, there's been two. The current one is Chip. The other one died. I don't remember what the other one's name was, though. So, Chip. I like the Red Lantern cat better than I like Jon Stewart. <laughs> he is awesome, though. I know. Uh, all right, man. So let's move into girl fights. Or fight girls? Fight girls. Fight girls. Number one of five from Upshot Comics. Uh, uh, no, it's from AWA Comics, but Upshot's the imprint. Oh, AWA. Yep. But Upshot as well? 
it's the it's the branding from what they're doing. But AWA is the uh, company making it. They have a couple different lines. Like they have a horror story line, they have a superhero line, they have an adventure line. So like it's a uh, it's an imprint inside of imprint. Do they need it? I'm gonna say no, but yeah. Anyway. Anyway, this is created, written, and illustrated by the Almighty Frank Show. Yes, sir. Um, this cover is pretty decent. I've seen like multiple covers, um, but anything Frank Show does is rad. But this one, like, he takes actually, if you follow him on Instagram, he does a lot of like pen, like line work, like drawings. Right. And like um, some of that, like like this part especially. Oh yeah, it's mixed in there as far as like the what how the cover's designed. We had a batch of different characters in different boxes, and then one of our main characters running across the front. Like so fantastic! Like oh yeah, it's the, awesome. way, the way he draws anatomy is incredible. Dude's good. He draws three things great: hot girls, dinosaurs, and monkeys. We get two of those in this book. He draws, like, large cats very well. The best things he draws. Because he draws a lot of other things awesome, too. And the wiener dogs wasn't in what I mentioned. And he draws that well, too. He does. And little ducks. Oh, yeah. And pigs. No doubt. Anyway, this book starts out, it says, Stand for Empire Feed. And the queen is no more. Exactly 12 months ago today when Queen Regina Victoria Dorr abdicated her throne. In accordance with the original royal constitutional bylaw, a special parliament of August inner members was formed when Queen Regina was proven barren and unable to bear a royal heir. So basically what they're talking about here is that the queen and the reclusive king couldn't have a child. So what they do is they put out a call to all the ten sectors, all the ten different areas, and they take suit of finding a new queen. They fight through to like, oh yeah. They they fall to an older, which as the book goes, it explains to us that like, but the the tradition of how they find the next queen to replace the queen, they're basically firing. So ten women of royal and common blood from the vast reaches of the empire were tested and selected for the ancient contest. Before them, four challenges await: trial by jungle, trial by de- desert, trial by water, and trial by combat. Whoever survives all the challenges will be crowned the next queen of the Gilmoran Empire. And it shows the capital city of the Gilmoran Empire. It's a floating city under a dome up above, like, a very beautiful beach and green, lush. And um, the news feed is basically like, hey, stand by, going live in three, two, one, and uh, all channels open, streaming now, contestants to the ready room. And it's kind of like, it's kind of Hunger Games-esque. A little, little bit, yeah, for sure. But it shows ten women, and he, they're all they're all... By numbers, it's like number one, Diana Adamson, home, Coastal Vale, Califax. Two, Jackson Wyman, home, Citadel, Califax. Three, Kelsey O2, home, North City, Alkalon. Four, Tora Winter, home, Rose City, Sevendor. Five, Lily Dupree, home, Rothmore, Europa Minor. Six, Asher Vindal, home, Warm Springs, Callum. Seven, Zandra Blackwater, home, Deep Mine, Hellgrave. Eight, um, Roche Lauren, home, Busan, Pangea. Nine, Danny Vore, home, Twin City, Calador. And ten, Pondo Shen, 
home Hawkins Lunar Base 2. So this thing is like all the way into space. Right. Because um, the Empire extends very vastly. So these women are all like in like white, like shorts and tank kind of, tops. Kind and of like an exercise like just attire. Just with a red number. And like and that's and it, it kind of introduces you, shows you all who they are, and they're like stand like ready platform. They tell them all to stand. This platform is glowing, and they're like platform is hot. Stand by, and then they're teleported to. Um, it counts down. They're teleported to a place that's it's this dark, dark, intense, thick jungle. A jungle that they say hasn't been touched by man or by people. Well, they get, I'll get there. Okay. So, and it says st- that number one was like blonde hair, blue eye, perfect specimen woman is like, stay focused, ladies. Um, and then you hear like, let the games begin. It's like, they're down by the river. That's our finish line. The teleportation pad is on the top of that old temple. And they're all talking about like, oh, that should be easy to get through. And like, don't get too cocky. Respect the land. This is pr- this this is a primal part of planet untouched for a thousand years, inhabited by deadly creatures of all sizes. And show decorum, number two. One of us will will be the future queen. The entire empire is watching us because number two swears. Oh yeah. And so she, the number one is like, she's like the kind of the person that they want to win. Prim and proper type. And uh, so she's like, "Listen up, ladies. We all may be competitors, but we don't. We know that this land has in store for us. It's in our best interest to cooperate at this point." So number seven is redhead with an eye patch, and she's right. from like the mi- the mining district. She's a commoner type. And you see her like kind of like look and shake her head, and like reach down to pick up a stick and walk him and just smash the blonde chick in the back back of the head. Oh yeah, knock her down, knock her out. Hardcore man. And she yells. And at this point, if you're listening with kids, I'm, I'm going to just read the dialogue, but just in case, it says, You dumb bitches, it's every woman for yourself. Now run. And everybody's like, Oh, crap, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and number one, who was a favorite, seems to be out already. Best we can tell, yeah. So, on Deep Mind Sector 4, Hellgrave, you see these, like, you see it happen on a big screen, and these two gangster looking guys. One of them kind of reminds me of like pre um, mutation bebop. <laughs> like bebop and rock study, they do. They kind of look it like is bebop. Kinda, and rock yeah, study. yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. So it's just like she's like, let um, they're like, I'm surprised she didn't take out number two first. Like and they're like, you know, that seems to be the biggest threat because she seems to be the strongest contestant besides her. And they're like, looks like we're back on the clock. I'm like, oh, the things I do for health insurance. And it's like, you, you don't really know what they're talking about. Or what's going on with them, yeah. Because at first they're just watching the, the feed at a bar, and right. now they're off to do whatever nefarious deeds they're supposed to do. So then you flash back to the jungle, and number th- I think it's number three and four are like walking along, and it's it shows... These two contestants, like, with a gigantic, like, leopard-style cat thing up above them. Crouching and watching. And, uh, get, I mean, getting ready to pounce, like, stalking. Oh, yeah. It's like, joining us today is our wildlife expert, Dr. Mike McSwiggan. Like, and you, this is like a newscast as they're watching it, because everything's live. It's like, this is on, this is televised. It's so, all being broadcast. So everybody's, it's like, Running Man-style. Oh, yeah. Slash, I mean, I mean before before Hunger Games, even Running, running Man-style, for sure. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, uh, I'm the Institute of Holmes Institute Biodiversity. And he's like, glad to be here. And he's like, can you tell us what kind of wildlife our contestants are expecting in Canada? He's like, well, 
they're they're in for a big surprise. And during this happen, you see this gigantic jungle cat leap on the two of them. And uh, one of the two girls grabs a stick and smashes this thing in the face as it comes down. But it still gets back up. And as you know, as it's happening, you say, this entire region is untouched and preserved for a th- the last thousand years. Many of these animals have never even seen man before. They will have no fear of man and will see them as prey. And so these two girls are going after this, you know, like fighting this cat. And um, they're using like some different like... Different, like, athletic techniques, you know, some, like, martial arts and fighting it. Like, I mean, there are all these women are, like, relatively highly trained, it seems. They're supposed to be, yeah. But, like, they can't handle a, a large cat. And it, as it gets it turns around and gets ready to pounce, out of the jungle comes a gigantic dinosaur. Dinosaur, yeah. And grabs that cat by the by the head, and, and the girls are like, oh, uh, whoa. <laughs> and, again, a beautiful, gigantic spread, like show just kills it oh yeah art wise is fantastic and um then another one comes out of the nowhere and like starts fighting the other dinosaur and these things are supposed to be it's it's a pterosaur one of the alpha predators and uh it's so it's a very it's a lot larger dinosaur that like than what maybe we'll run into like it, it seems to be the largest. It's it's the alpha thing. It's in supposed the, to be the bigger, and it's definitely bigger than the other one. And then these two things start fighting over this this jungle cat, right? And the chicks, the two girls, get away. And then it's then it flashes to a different scene where like because that's two girls there, and then so you have ten all together. One's already down, so that's two. So that's three of them. So then you packed with like these four girls, and they're running along, and they're they're crossing this gigantic log bridge across this valley, and uh. One of them almost steps on a frog and it kind of moves out of it, moves out of the way. And then out of nowhere, um, the, the frog lands and then a, uh, another dinosaur foot lands on the frog and kills it. And all of a sudden you see, um, a raptor basically like come out, come out and like attack one of the girls, knock the other one down, starts attacking her. One of them kicks it and tries to knock it off. It doesn't fall off the, and this is all on that log bridge. And so these three, three of the girls are trying to fight this raptor. One of the girls is down because like she's been, well, she's been bitten by it, bitten, bitten and attacked by, like, it, yeah. by this by this by this raptor. And one finally, like one that got knocked off, was still hanging on. Reaches up and grabs it by its paw, like its claw, crazy like, claw, pulls it, pulls it down, flings it off flings, the bridge. But then, as she flings it down, a gigantic, gigantic crocodile. That's like the size of a submarine, like this massive thing, like jumps out of the water and chomps. By the best we can tell, all three two of, of the girls at least. At least, yeah. Maybe three. And it says, Drone Cam 14, follow the gator, notify the retrieval team. So that means, I, at this point, you're not sure how many. Right. And, and the way it comes out of the water, it takes out the full bridge. And I mean, there's at least two of them there. The girl that's injured, who was being helped by the other two, and the one that's hanging on by the bottom. So, like, they show pretty good teamwork. But yeah, once that thing comes up, I, if it didn't kill all three of them, at least two of them look, look like they got eight. At least two. At least. So then it flashes to, um, this is drone cam two. Environment shot, drone cam one, push it on tight on the runners. We have two contestants on the final leg to the temple. And it's uh, seven and two, which seven is the redhead with the eye patch. 
The, uh, the, this is the one you use the stick to take out one. And number two is the one that, like, the two guys were saying was going to be her biggest competition. Right. And, she's uh, kind of got, like, a shaved, like, close cut hair dude yeah, going on. Like a bleach, it's like a darker skinned girl with, like, bleach blonde hair, but it's shaved down. And, right. Uh, and she seems to be pretty hardcore as well. And it's, uh, it's number two, Jackson Wyman of Citadel Califax, and number seven, Zandra Blackwater of the Deep Mine Hellgrave. They are neck and neck as they sprint to the first stone steps. At anyone's game at this point, drone cam one, stay with contestant two. Then all of a sudden, the short-haired girl stops, and she's, like, listening, and all of a sudden a pterodactyl swoops down, like, grabs her and swoops her up. And number seven just kind of, like, smiles and, like, have a nice flight and waves and runs up and touches the transport pad, and she gets through. So she's the first one to the temple, first one to the to the teleportation device and to she, exit the the And she teleports jungle. and lands, and there's, like, cameras and flashes, and everybody's like, woo, like, chill, chill. And she's like, yeah, Hellgrave. And she's like, she's done. And Xandra Blackwater makes history by being the first one to survive and clear the first challenge. The arena is alive with excitement as the crowd goes wild. But then it just show, goes, flashes back to the jungle. And uh, number two, like, kind of, like, fights her way to the, the head of the pterodactyl and jabs her thumb into its eye, and the thing drops her. And she's able to, like, grab some branches and stuff on the way down and land, and she climbs, and she f- and she goes through. And yep. she, she she's the second one to the pad. When she takes that thing out, awesome. Like, thumb in the eye. It's, yeah, crazy. And as she's as she comes through, she's breathing heavy, and she's all sweaty and kind of some scratches on her, and she flips off number seven. Oh, yeah. And There's definitely a rivalry. And she says, suck it. And then it goes back to the... Rocksteady Bebop guys, and it says, told you she's the real deal and the one to watch out for. It's like, yeah, she's a real peach, that one. And then number 10, number 4, number 3, number 8 also make it to the top. So, of the 10, four of them are gone. So I guess all three on that bridge didn't make it. And then number 1 at the beginning, she didn't make it either. Because all she does is get clubbed in the back of the head, but she's obviously out. Right. Well, it's like hard to say if she got... Because we don't see her again until we see this status board. And... The status board makes it appear that... What well, shows them, they, they glow in red when they're out. Right. Just like the Hunger Games style thing. Yeah. Like, so the final tallies are in. It looks like number five, Lily Dupree. Number six, Astra Vindel. Number nine, Danny Vore. And the heavily favored number one, Deanna Adamson are out. So she's out. Number one's out. And she's still laying there in the grass. Like, she's knocked out. So I don't know if they're It's gonna... hard to say if it killed her or what. It didn't kill her. I think... You that... wouldn't think so, but, I, I mean... Status, status status wise, she's listed as being out of the out of the group. But then it says um, Grace Point One, floating capital city of Califax, Prime Minister Building, and then it's a guy sitting in a chair, bald guy, big, big mustache, kind of like in, in a dark room watching video of what's going on. It's like replaying the that scene where she clubs her over the head. He says, "Get me director of security, replace it." And she keep he keeps watching it over and over again. And uh, the security. Security director comes up and is like, I want to know how an unknown coal girl from a mining outpost bested our champion in the opening round. And the guy says, that's the unpredictability of, an, of any sporting event, sir. And the guy says, well, no, there's something on. There's something off with this girl. This is Sandra Blackwater. Well, she passed all the background checks, sir. There's nothing special. He's like, then dig deeper. There's something amiss here, and I want to know who this upstart is. Do not disappoint me, security director. Are we clear? He's like, uh, of course, sir. I'll put my best man on this, sir. He's already at that sector finishing up a job. He's built for this sort of mission. Whatever secret Xander Blackwater is hiding, he'll get to the bottom of it. And then it shows some guy, I don't know, like, 
He just looks like some guy. Like, just looks like a dude. In a ship. And it says to be continued. And uh, next issue won't be out until August 11th. So it's like basically every other it's month. It's a monthly. It was a monthly? Yeah, because this one came out this week. Oh, okay. It was just the beginning of July, so it's the beginning of... Best we can tell, at least, as long as everything follows tracking from the release dates, it's monthly and it should be within the first week of every month, if it stays on pace, release-wise, for a four-part, or no, five-part miniseries. So basically, it should run to the end of the year. Well, I've been tracking him. He's one of my artists. I I felt like... Multiple artists on on the socials, and he's one of my Frank. Like when I follow him, so I've been I've watched him lead up to this. I've been stoked for this for a while. He's been posting pictures for months. Yeah, like just like art for like all this different stuff that he's doing, like which is awesome. And you know, I I might be a little biased tonight, but like I was so excited for this book, and it didn't let me down. Like the first issue was actually really really good. The idea of it's really cool. Like it's it's a age old kind of thing. Where like it's a race to a thing, and then some some richer people are going to try and put their fingers in it and not let the person win that could win. And it's definitely got shenanigans going on in the background. And whatever the two the Bebop Rocksteady looking dudes are doing, I mean they're up to no good. They got to be the way they're drawn. They can't not be. But they're like the every mankind dude too. So like it'll be interesting to see like how that fits in and what comes to play with them. Because, like, as a thing, they can't, I mean, I guess it could just be the Everman watching, but it definitely seems like there's more going on there. And with the whole, like, floating Citadel thing and the security guard being sent off to figure out more about these uh, contestants, because clearly who we were pulling for isn't going to work. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting, and, like, art's beautiful, it's fun. Uh, do you have a score for that book there, Josh? You know, I don't do it very often, but I give a five. I just give it a full five. Like, you know, you don't see, I mean, you very, in my opinion, you don't see interiors this beautiful from start to finish. And like, if this comes out on time, like, and Frank doesn't normally like struggle with that. He goes through waves. Like, he does really good with his covers. Um, the last series he put out was a mini series that came out through, uh, oh gosh, it was through Boom Comics, I think, called Skybound. And it was dealing with a fallen angel kind of scenario. Also art beautiful, very different thing. It stayed on pace till the last issue, and then it took for freaking ever to get it finished. And I don't know if it was a company thing, or if it's a Frank thing, or if it's a contract thing, because it, it was independent-driven, I mean, just like this. But, again, Frank does a lot of covers, and they're all gorgeous. And so, uh, work-wise, I mean, again, we've seen lots of pictures for this thing, because he's been posts and all kinds of stuff, I have to assume there's a really good running start, but he is doing everything. So, like, it's all one dude to get it done. So, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back here on on his thing. I feel like I remember seeing stuff quite a while ago, and people being like, what's this? So, this is from, oh, this is just March, he posts a lot, I guess. Jeez. Yeah, I could probably go back and back and back, but, like, he... January, he was, the cover was already finished in January. See how that post shows from January? This is all stuff you're getting off his Instagram. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just trying to go back here and see, like, when he first started posting about, about this. Because he was posting a lot of Red Sonia stuff for a while. Well, yeah, he's got a whole series that he's doing covers for, for Red Sonia. Um, um, the Invincible Red Sonia, he has, uh, he's had a cover for every one of them, and I assume that the whole run will be that way. Uh, but it's another one that has like a whole lot of covers. Like, and I do not remember which 
letter cover his R, but so far I feel like they've all lined up to match whatever covered numeration it is. Numeration, I don't that's how you say it, alphabet, alphabetical numbering? There's got to be a better word for that. Anyway. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. Well, how they, uh, how they arrange the covers from the Red Sony series. We have A, B, C, D, E, oh. and then onward. And I feel like his, I think they're the D covers, but I don't remember. They're n- numeric alphabet. Again, there's got to be a word for that. There has to be. <laughs> anyway, um, as far as score, you know, man, I, I love me some Frank Cho. Like, the dude's awesome. He's done interviews on the show. He's done bumpers for the show. Like, I, I've talked to the guy so many years at San Diego Comic-Con. Like, he's awesome. Um, as far as a thing, like, he, he's a neat dude to talk to. And, I mean, again, if you want to hear more or hear him, you just look back in episodes and you'll find interviews with him. So, I mean, the dude, he's, yeah, he's awesome. I like Frank a lot. He's really cool. Um, score-wise, I give it a five, four and a half. It's fantastic. Like I say, you can't you can't beat Frank's art. I mean, he draws so many things so well, and I mean, I say the best are those three. But as a thing, like the dude is great. He's drawn the stuff for the Marvel, DC. He's done Avengers series. He's done Wolverine series. Uh, covers for Harley Quinn. Covers for Wonder Woman. I yeah, the dude's been killing it for a long time. And like Literary Meadows is a series that. As soon as it dropped an image, I was like, this is the best thing ever. It's so fantastic. So if you haven't ever seen that and you like cheeky sort of fun stories, it's it's great. Um, yeah, I give it a four and a half. Uh, fantastic. If you're not following the dude on Instagram, you really should be because he's, he's awesome. Um, as far as things are concerned, I guess that's it for books. Uh, so what would you learn today, Josh? Um... That meat meat wad actually grosses me out less than that Rick Jones thing. <laughs> From Ocratine Hunger Force? Yeah. <laughs> but he's so cute with his stupid little teeth. But he grossed me out for a long time. But sure. He, he grosses me out less than that weird, like, meat arm Rick Jones face. I mean, it is it is a nightmare. Like yeah, a walking nightmare. It's odd. <laughs> uh, what did I learn today, Josh? Um, I think that you learned that um, all the Justice League B characters like cake more than they like fighting. I mean, well, Booster Gold loves it to an absurd degree. And I, I mean, you just I, wanted to say absurd. I did. He's a uh, he's hilarious. Um, moving forward. So uh, let's see. So I got a thing. We can either we can, we can either run through the. Uh, so we got Black Widow happening this weekend, and so before we get the books to watch. Um, it won't really be a preview because at this point it'll be over by the time this episode lands on the internet. But uh, did you want to try a hand at the booth, the uh, trivia for Black Widow, Josh? So this will be the trivia questions that we're going to use at the uh, Black Widow premieres on Thursday and Friday. Like to hear questions? Here we go. All right. All right. I don't know that much about Black Widow, so. Understandable. Uh, so question one. Blue. That, no, none of the answers are going to be blue. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I'd just jump ahead. I, I mean, you'd, yeah. I mean, if you'd read the sheets, then maybe. Uh, so question one would be, uh, well, is, what year did Natasha Romanoff first appear in the comics? Mm. Let's guess the year. 
seventies. Uh, I mean, you're a little, you're a little young. I'm a little young. Yeah. See, it's got to be an older year than that. I was older than that. Yeah, she's older than the seventies. Not by much, but she is sixty-nine because it's hilarious. Yeah, it's still too, it's still too. Gotta got go, nothing. Gotta go deeper. Got nothing. See, Price Right rules, and you'd, you'd lose. Uh, so, 1964 is the year she first appeared. That's uh, uh, until the suspense number fifty-two. Uh, it's question two. What is the uh, first movie the Black Widow appeared in in the MCU? This one you should know. Iron Man two, right? See, si, Senor. That is correct. Uh, question number three. Moving forward, how many MCU movies did the Black Widow has the Black Widow appeared in, including her title movie? Mm. I'd have to sit and count. So she was first in Iron Man two. See, si, Senor. She was in Iron Man three. No. So no four Avengers movies. So that's five. See, si, Senor. Civil War. Correct, also. She's in Winter Soldier. Yes. That's seven. She's in her own movie. That's eight. <clears throat> she's in... Like she was in one more. I can't think of what it is. So we get we get it to nine with a count? Final answer? Yeah. It's got... It's one more, I think. No. Maybe just eight. I don't know. You're right. There is a there is a cameo in there. Uh, she also appears in the end credit scene of uh, Captain Marvel. That's the tricky one because she's in the end credit scene where she shows up and asks where Nick Fury is. But there's not a lot of Avengers there. But it's her, Evans, or Captain America, and Thor. Uh, they're all in that scene. Right. So she's in the cameo scene at the end of the credits for Captain Marvel. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it is nine as far as full appearances. Uh, she, I mean, you could count Ragnarok, except that it's not an actual character appearance. It's a video of her playing on one of the the screen inside the ship when they go to return to Earth. Her her message to Banner loops in there, so I mean, kind of, but I wouldn't count an appearance. So, so the Ragnarok's out. Question number four: What is the name of the character that David Harbor is playing in the Black Widow movie? Red Star, right? Red Star? That's uh, close. Red something. Red Guardian. Red Guardian. Uh, we would also accept it, uh, Alexei uh, Shertikov, which I think is how you say it. Uh, but yeah, Red I Guardian. I did see that he was going to potentially, there's a big rumor of the two of them, well, him and then like the Mackie Cap oh, are yeah. going to fight each other in the next... He might be a big player in the next Captain America movie. That'd be awesome. Which, nobody's seen this movie yet, so we don't know what happens to it. So. That that's, is a good that's, rumor. That's kind of a brash, like, comment, but, a rumor, that's, but anyway. I do, I do like that. I do like that concept as a thing. Uh, so number five, which would be the final of our top five comics questions for top five comics presents trivia in the theater. Uh, there's a six. There's a sixth question, just in you know, in case we need it. But question number five: The Red Room has produced. Uh, the Red Room program has produced a lot of different assassin types and a lot of different uh, agents. But how many of them are named Black Widow? Just two, right? You are correct, sir. Only two of them carried the black 
widow moniker. Um, everyone else has either had their own name or gone by just character name. So that Florence chick that's playing the sister in this? Correct. Is Zach Braff's girlfriend? Oh, is she? Scrubs. That's funny. Um, and the early talks of this is that, what's her last name? Florence, uh. Oh, the actress? Yeah. She, I don't know. She that. was in, uh. Fighting with your family. Yeah. The WWE movie. Uh, the character she plays in the movies is, uh, oh gosh, uh, Yolanda Belova, which sounds like a tennis player, but. Lawrence uh, Pugh? Lawrence Pugh, that's her name? And they're calling it the, um, Marvel Puniverse. It's like, by, because she's, I guess, just steals the show in this movie. Cool. Like, early reviews of it, all the stuff I've read is that she just murders in this film. Awesome. Which is awesome, because, like, I liked her in Fighting with Your Family. Oh, she's really good, yeah. She's great in there. Super fun movie, also. You want one more question, Josh? Sure. All right. So, before Scarlett Johansson stole the role as the Black Widow, they actually cast somebody else. Who did they cast? Mm. Can you give me a hint? I can. Okay. Uh, there are rumors of her possibly playing the Invisible Woman. She's a fan favorite. Oh, what's his face? His wife. See, si, Senor from A Quiet Place. That's the one. Yeah. What's her name? Emily Blunt yeah. would be the correct answer, sir. But yeah, uh, so originally she was cast, but because of contractual contractual uh, requirements, she was not able to take the role. Maybe because she couldn't be as tough. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think they did a really good job with Scarlett. I mean, she's been awesome. So, I mean, Emily does great, too, as far as the action movies. I mean, that Edge of Tomorrow, she's great in. In Quiet Place, she's good, too. So, I mean, she's not a bad actress, but at this point, I can't imagine her in the widow role, really. I mean, maybe that's because there's nine freaking movies with her, but... As a yeah. thing, my brain doesn't wrap around it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Josh, you got any books to watch? Um, obviously, Fight Girls. It's so good. Um, it's awesome. I hope you under-ordered so a bunch of people are like, I can't believe I can't get a copy of this book. <laughs> oh, no. It's a Frank Chow book, man. If nothing else, it's pretty. I know. but The I book's great, too, but, know. you know. How many did you order? Uh, 17. I'll take... 20 of them. <laughs> they can buy them from two, me. Two of the variant covers. Um, I saw an ad for a book called Superman and the Authority coming out, and it's like a short-sleeved Kingdom Come Superman costume, Clark Kent leading, with no cape, leading the Authority, it looks like. Any series coming out? Yeah, yeah. Superman written and the by, Authority. Written, written by my man, Grant Morrison. I'm into that. I think it's actually dropping. I think it drops this month to be. I don't remember to be honest, but it's a miniseries. That guy's coming out along the same time as the uh, Superman featuring John Kent as Superman. Well, I got a couple books for uh, for the for the watching or to look out for also. So there's a book I'm ready to come out called Primordial coming out from Image. Uh, it is a six part miniseries and is written by Jeff Lemire. Uh, the artist on it is and Andrea Sorrentino, and uh, it's uh, I've actually got the read issue one already, and it's awesome. Just from a, from an early preview, the image sent out to a few uh, a few of us. Uh, it's uh, so the book takes place in 1957, and it's during the uh, the space race with Russia, and uh, the the write up for it. So Russia launched a dog into space. Two years later, we launched two monkeys, and they never returned to Earth. But they didn't die. No, no, they were taken. And that's the uh, the pitch for the book. First issue is it's cool. 
Like, I, I liked it. It's awesome. Uh, so I'd say watch for that guy, because it's... Although Meyer's an awesome writer, uh, if you like the uh, Gideon Falls style, that's the art style for most of the book. However, there's an art change at the end. So, uh, yeah, it is awesome. Uh, so I'll give you that guy. And then uh, from Vault Comics, they've got another book coming out that I think is going to be fantastic. Very different than Barbaric, uh, but um, it is uh, called The Last Book You'll Ever Read. Uh, it's being written by Colin Bunn, and the artist on it is Liana Letz, 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 L-E-I-Z, and she is fantastic. So good. Uh, also, another one you should try to look up on Instagram, because she is great. Uh, it's a book about a character named Olivia, who is a book writer, and she has uh, unlocked the secrets lying behind uh, reality. And uh, this book itself, she's in the middle of doing a tour, for the press tour for the book, and the book has been unlocking crazy, violent tendencies in people and driving them mad. Uh, so she's hired herself some security, uh, a fella named uh, uh, Connor Wilson, and the only requirement she has is that he not read her book. And it's, uh, it's a, like a, a horror sci-fi type book. So it's, uh, it's supposed to be a little more on the, uh, on the, uh, scary side. But it, it, the art for it's fantastic also, like the couple of test pages, and she is just so good as an artist. Like, the book will be beautiful. And I think it'll be neat. Uh, miniseries from Vault, and Vault's killing it right now, so I would say definitely check that thing out. Uh, my last one I want to throw at you guys would be Army of Darkness 1979, being written by Rodney Barnes. Uh, artist on it is, uh, Tom Garcia. And it's uh, Ash from the Evil Dead in the South Bronx in the 70s. What could go wrong? Fantastic. Um, that's all I got for you as far as books to look for, along with everything else we mentioned multiple weeks on this show. Barbaric, if you, if you haven't got a chance to get it, is going in the second print. It was second print greenlit before it even came out, and it is fantastic. If you listened to last week's episode, um, you heard the interview with the boys from the series, um, and... I can't say good enough good things. Uh, Nathan's a fantastic, and uh, as, as far as a uh, series is concerned, Michael's an awesome writer. So get on it, because it's uh, fantastic. They're actually releasing a, a black and white deluxe edition that's going to come out as a first printing. So if you miss the original first print, you will get a second chance uh, in the black and white uh, style. That's the director's edition. I think the order cut off for it is this coming week, so you still have a chance to get on it if you want to. But yeah, it's fantastic. Um, that's all I got, Josh. Got anything else over there? I don't. Well, by this time, by the time you hear this, um, <clears throat> it won't matter because the pre-order will be over. But like, Target finally did do kind of a uh, re-release of some things. That's true. The GI Joe Persuasion, yeah, yeah. Um, Target exclusives. So, um, as we record this, 7 a.m. our time, Baroness and the Cobra Viper go back on sale. Um, we'll see if I'll be able to get up and get one. Right. it's limit one per person. Right. To, like, they, they, they somehow figured out how to, like, eliminate bots, which is cool. Well, I finally kind of got on their game with the whole pre-order thing with the Target website, it seems. It so seems. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, as far as the thing, yeah, by listening to this, it'll be too late, but... 
uh, as a thing in the world, it, it makes more hope for the uh, exclusives as we move forward. But barbecue still up for pre-order today. I mean, the movie figures will be coming out. I'm sure they'll make a ton of those. Because yeah, the, the Snake Eyes films come, when does, does that come out? September? I, if I remember correctly, yes. Um, but they don't look bad. No. Like, you know. They look cool. It's, well, there's there's two six-inch lines. There's like a normal, like, Marvel Legends style. But then there's like a weird, cheesier style as well. Oh, is that one six inches as well? I thought yeah. that was three of the corners. No. Oh, I misunderstood the description. I sounded like I thought that was another three. There might line. be a three and three quarters as well, but it's not vintage style. Huh. Which is weird. So there might be, there still might be a vintage style that coming up for that, but I don't know if they're just switching to that. I mean, if it's easier for the mold purposes. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of whatever with it. Like, I was able to grab a beachhead today because he went on sale today. Um, I was able to grab one. I mean, because it's right. running for one and you weren't. So and I was like, but that was a matter of 10 minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. Time in the world, uh, it went very quickly. But I'm not like a massive, I'm not collecting every single thing that they put out like I do with like the old school stuff. Sure, the so, classics. Uh, but that was rad. Um, some other cool things coming out. Planet Green Valley has some, it seems like they're coming around to the next wave of stuff that they're going to do. You know, the first wave still hasn't completely come out. And... I mean, Joy Toy continues to just kill in the action figure lines. Oh, yeah. They really do. Like, all, I mean, there's a, there's so many independent, like, toy lines doing some cool stuff. The Animals of the Warrior Kingdom War that we were doing. Oh, like, yeah. They, they have a seven inch or six inch line that they're doing. It's the same characters as the, as the 118 scale, but they're just doing a, another line as well of, like, the six inch, like, the 112 scale. Oh, crazy. So kind of fit in with everything, which all is, like, right. kind of neat. I mean, that's then, neat. Like, those figures are did, awesome. I did see that uh, Boss Fight put out mock-ups, like pictures of they have pop the the Popeye license. Oh right, Popeye olive oil, yeah, so uh, Bluto, Wimpy and Bluto. Yeah, and then the little baby. Well, I, I assume he'll probably come with. No, he does. Oil. He comes with one of them. I don't know which one he comes with, but he, they put him in the picture. So like, yeah. So, I mean, they've done Flash Gordon now. They've done Zorro. Popeye. They've done Zorro. They've done Phantom. Um, they, they have like, some Tarz, a couple of Tarzan figures. Yeah, Tarzan's coming out. They haven't really put any, like, of the... They kind of, like, teased those, but they haven't really shown what they're going to finally look like. Look like For the uh, Tarzan ones? Yeah. There's two of them on the site, but I don't know what else they're doing. Yeah, so. we're supposed to do more, but then they also like they also got the license for, like, they call it, like, uh, Saturday Morning Classics, Saturday Morning Cartoon Classics or something like that. Oh, which, right, right. Which, like, includes uh, Beetle Bailey, I think is one of them, like, a few others. So, like, I mean, they've gotten right. some pretty big licenses, which is pretty rad for someone who, like, started as a Kickstarter line. But Boss Fight just murders everything they do. No, they're so they're, good. They're, they're Their incredible. figures are great. So, yeah, um, I mean, keep an eye out for those online. If you if you collect figures at all, those, that, I mean, that's all rad stuff to do. So Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then that uh, Valor, Valorverse, like, they're starting to, like, production figures are coming, like the one that like Sergeant Slaughter. Right. They're starting to, like, release what, like, the figures are starting to show up. That's cool. So like yeah. the first, the first waves and stuff. So like, and they look really cool. And they, they're, they're com- com- completely compatible with the GI Joe. Um, the six inch line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, as far as styling, that Sergeant Slaughter is supposed to match as if it came he out. He looks from, really, really good. He does look cool. So, so cool. Um, it's cool that they got that. They were able to get that license, which is crazy that they were wrestled away from Hasbro and from WWE. It's, it's awesome. So, which is awesome. So that means that like, uh, the GI Joe probably won't ever put one out. Uh, probably not. I mean, I guess, I mean, as far as time, I mean, you never really know, depending on how long the line lasts, uh, which, I mean, if they figured out how to 
stop some of this crazy scalping, then maybe maybe it'll grow. So we'll, well see. I mean, if they, if they if they if they put out enough figures, and the like, scalping will stop, right? Like, which is like is the case. Like, we just put out enough figures, but you know, like I understand scalping. Like that's going to happen with like oh, regardless, like, like yeah. for with like um, exclusives from like cons and stuff, which. My next bit of news is like I don't know if you saw, but they do have a deluxe Zartan figure coming out for San Diego Comic Con. I did see that. It comes like five heads or something like that, yeah, and like it's a crazy. big like window picture box. Which like the very first, so the very first GI Joe classified figure that came out was a deluxe Snake Eyes that came in like a big window shadow box thing with like a bunch of like like a Ninja Dojo accessories and things like that. So this is in the same line as that. Um, they also put out like a, a, um, a re- they called it the Regal Cobra Commander. He was like black with like a bunch of extra stuff too. Oh yeah, so those are the set of those, flags. Yeah, so of the of the figures that they put out, those are the three exclusive, like or not exclusive, but the, like deluxe figures that they Comic-Con put out. Comic Con style, yeah. And so, but the Zartan one is supposed to be a San Diego Comic Con exclusive. I think is what I saw. So it'll be from the uh, the uh, Comic Con at home this year. Are they doing that again? They are. Okay, so yeah. Um, Anyway, with that, like, we still have not seen a Storm Shadow figure. Like, we did see, like, the, with well, the Arctic Storm Shadow, that was a, yeah, a the Amazon, Amazon exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. And then there is a movie figure coming out, but, like, just a vintage, like, an old school Storm Shadow has not come out yet. And on the website, there is new, the, the art for the Storm Shadow on the G.I. Joe website is new art. That's cool. It's, like, art that we have not seen before, and he's, like, in his old school, like, um, gi, white gi, like, sleeveless gi, but, like, right. one, one, one whole arm is a, is he has his tattoo sleeve, which is really cool looking. So like, I don't know what they're gonna do with that. Like, I hope that's kind of like the the figure we get. Sure. I don't know. Like, I'm hoping. Like, so far, like, I've been pretty impressed with every figure they put out. Like, I haven't been like, eh. I've been like, everyone's been pretty cool. Even the Firefly, even though like underneath his vest he isn't painted. So if you're right. like, I imagine when we get a re-release for it, that might well, change. If you're a GI Joe fan and you love Firefly and you want that figure, understand that like when you take that vest off of him, it's not painted underneath. It's just like so you can't make him like vintage Firefly. Right. There are Valorverse and somebody else, another secondary company, is putting out kits to make him look like vintage Firefly. Right. And there's a gung ho one as well. Like, it comes with the gung-ho, like, original gung-ho, like, vest and all that stuff. Oh, that's cool. So, like, you can, like, make them look like the original Covering ones. The classic. Yeah, and those are on the Valiverse website. But you still have to paint his his urban camo because it, it ends on his arms and his, like, whatever part that you see, like, with the vet, with the flag Everything jacket on. Everything is covered by the, the anything vest. Is, everything is covered. They don't, they, they, they did not paint it camo. So, right. um, it looks pretty garbage underneath there. Yeah, it's just plain. But you have to do some work if you want. And if you like, I, yeah. Anyway. Right. So that's some action figure, like, rundown. Action figure update? No? Yeah. Action figure update. I mean, really it is, like, and they do have some, like, the one one cool thing, like the Master of the Universe waves coming out. They are. That new cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you love Master of the Universe, they are really, really cool. Been seen at Walmart and Target since I actually saw the Battle Cat. It's amazing. He looks cool. I've seen seen some, uh, Pictures of him with like without the armor on. It looks pretty cool. Oh yeah, it looks awesome. Um, also, the WWE Masters of the Universe, Masters of the Universe figures that are coming out. There is a Sergeant Slaughter one coming out, finally, Ooh. which looks pretty cool. Um, That's awesome. They have another Ultimate Warrior coming. Um, Actually, I've seen that one too. He looks awesome. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, there's a few, there's there's quite a few more coming out, which I always thought were cool. Like, I mean, 
And they're classic He-Man style, just in WWE. It's an awesome thing. Yeah. Like, if you want to see what we're talking about, that we did do an actual figure reconstruction of the original Ultimate Warrior figure from that line, which, is which you can find on YouTube. Yep. Action figure deconstruction. Yep, yep. Uh, if you want to check out any of our other stuff, you can also go to the Top5ComicsPodcast.com website, where there's links to all of our different shows, uh, podcasts, and video reviews of things, and game stuff. So... Check it out. Um, you can also find art stuff I draw on Instagram at Top5ComicsCBS if you want to look at my drawings. Oh, Comic-Con pictures when that used to happen. And Josh on Instagram, you are at? Wendell24, W-I-N-D-L-E. That's Wendell, and then 24, the number. And that's like my, my photography stuff. I've been putting a lot of that photography stuff up there. And uh, so there, I... Any like other stuff that I do, I just put in my stories. But like, I, sure. if I post something, it's just, it's just photography things. And then... Uh, yeah, check out other podcasts, Never Been Done Podcast, when we get that out and about. We've not been putting them out as as frequently as we normally do, just because of timing. Yeah, that's fine, as far as releases are concerned. But yeah, you can find links for that on there. We have some buddies that do a hot sauce review show called Scovillionaires. Check that out, like Scoville, which is like the, the hot rating. Um, and then hot sauce like, reviews. Like millionaires, like Scovillionaires. Like, just you know, Google that or just go to top5comicspodcast.com. Um, other than that, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some decent things coming out, like, uh, Black Widow starts as we record this tomorrow. Yep. Um, but a lot of cool things are starting to come, open back up, come back around. So just enjoy the fact that we have things again, which is awesome. Um, I know that you went and saw the new Fast movie. Si, senor. Um, You said it was ridiculous, but fun. Oh, yeah. Which is like, that's all you can hope for in those films. For sure. Awesome. And Loki's been really badass. Oh, yeah. Killing it. It's great. So, so good. Bad Batch has been really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's just a lot of lot of content out there for people to just, yeah, just enjoy it. Just love the fact that, like, there's good stuff out there. Heck, yeah. Binge it, check it out, for sure. I mean, new Loki drops, uh, well, today it did. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you're listening to this and you have never been a Top 5 Comics... It's at the corner of First and Orchard in Grand Junction, Colorado. Go there for all your comic book needs and wants and all those things. CBS will hook you up with whatever. Like, he knows all the things and all the stuff. And There's a lot of weirdness in my head. That's true. So, if you're looking for something crazy, um, even if you can't find it, he'll at least... I do try to find things for people. That's true. Yeah, you do. I'm, you I'm a scavenger. Some Sometimes, though, there's just things that are impossible to find unless people want to pay zillions of dollars. So well, that's the case with everything. But... Yeah, you'll do your best, which is what you do. Cause that's true. Uh, that's your jam. So, yeah, yeah. So please go check out Top Five Comics. Tiki. No. Oh, man. I told you the rules. I know. White Ranger. <laughs>